Alright, is everybody ready for some death and destruction? <laughs> well, guys, that's what you're going to get with the one and only John Gray. Why have I heard that name before? Well, he's the creator of the one and only Ghost Whisperer show. Yes, Such a good one. takes that inspiration in that world and now is delivering it into a novel, guys, yes. called The Desecrated. It's got a little supernatural twist, maybe an Egyptian theme to it a little bit. Um, but one thing for certain, it has you on the edge of your seat throughout, and mm -hmm. he is it's just as gripping as Ghost Whisperer was, but a whole new world. It's fun, man. Yes, I absolutely enjoyed this interview. It was an absolute blast. The up-and-comers are going to love this one. That is later on the show, but now Let's get a little crazy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 203 this Woo! week. And man, oh man, you guys know your host with the most. Myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Guys, there's so much going down in Hollywood right now. And of course, San, Di Dan San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> but before we get that started, we have to tease, before we tease the rest of the show, we have to be sure to leave a comment below, like the show, leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen more by people who enjoy entertainment news and people breaking into the entertainment industry. That's what this podcast is all about. We want to expose all of this knowledge to all the up-and-comers trying to break into For it. For sure. So that's what this podcast is about. Be sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Let us know how we're doing. And I know I butcher names. Don't leave that. Don't, don't comment that. I know that. But it's all good. Everything that's going down in Hollywood, of course, we will be talking about it like San Diego Comic-Con. So far, we have the Black Adams teaser trailer and the Shazam trailer. We also got a uh, I Am Groot trailer of what that the short films are going to be like. Yep. Um, and a couple of other things that we'll be discussing. But we're super excited about this show because... We get to dive deep into the geek fandom that you guys know that we love. Yes. And I mean, I, I can't be more excited. I'm wearing my Grogu shirt It's because uh, we got Star Wars news. I mean, it's just, this is the place to be, guys. And you can't have two better geeks to give you the geek news than us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But before we get that started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. We got shirts, we got yeah. hats, we got stickers, we got tumblers. We have... Have anything and everything you desire. And now through tomorrow, free shipping. So it's a great time to go get some of that stuff. Exactly, man. Exactly. Well, let's jump right into it. San Diego Comic-Con. Everybody's yes. talking about this thing. Marvel anim The Marvel animated multiverse expanded with new looks at Spider-Man freshman year. Marvel Zombies. Yep. And What If Season 2 at San Diego Comic-Con. What if season two will arrive in early 2023 and already a third season is ordered of this there one? There you go. Spider-Man freshman year will come in 2024 and a sophomore year following up is on its way as well. Woo. Now Marvel Zombies will also land in 2024. So let's give you the, the lowdown, the skinny on what these are going to actually be about, okay? So Spider-Man freshman year is going to follow the early days of Peter Parker learning to become the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Stills from the series which were described as bringing the heart and charm of Peter Parker were shown, including new Peter, who is young and looks comic book inspired with bright colors and a homemade Spidey suit mm -hmm. with a backpack, goggles, sneakers, and the jacket on. Now his school classmates, this is where it gets interesting, will include 
include Nico Monroe, a comic book character from the Runaways team, which they've now confirmed will be canon, so that's going to be taking place at the same time. A new crush who isn't Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy. This one's exciting. Amadeus Cho, who, as all the comic book geeks know, becomes the new Hulk in the comic books. A Wakandan student. And, of course, Harry Osborn, because you have to have Harry Osborn. The first look showed off mostly new and obscure characters and villains with no MJ, Gwen, or Ned from the live-action movies. Also joining are baddies such as Unicorn, Chameleon, Scorpion, Speed Demon, Tarantula, Rhino, Butane, and Doc Ock himself. Here's the really exciting news that nobody was expecting, though. We don't know how they're going to do this or how it's going to weave in, but Charlie Cox himself will return to voice Daredevil, plus Doctor Strange is going to be apparently hanging around to help out Spidey, too. Norman Osborn, who's normally the villainous Green Goblin, will serve as sort of a mentor for Petey and Spidey. Now, Paul F. Tompkins, love Paul F. Tompkins from the Thrilling Adventure Hour, guys, so badass. He's going to be the moderator of the panel and is also going to voice a new character named Bentley Whitman. Also shown were Spidey suits, including the classic red and blue duds, a white and blue Oscorp suit, and a black dusk suit. Mm. So all kinds of exciting stuff happening for Spidey in that series. Yeah, seriously. And a trailer for What If Season 2 showed the Captain Carter is back. Yeah. And with Black Widow, Steve Rogers and from Season 1, uh, Iron Man's armor traveling with her like we left off on in Season 1. Yep. The series will feature a medieval episode taking place in 1602. Oh. An episode where characters from Shang-Chi fight Odin oh. and other as Guardians, a race episode with Valkyrie and Iron Man on planet Scar um, from Thor Ragnarok, plus old Peggy and Steve Roger uh, reuniting post-Avengers Endgame, because oh. everybody was wondering how that went down as well. Yeah, so that's going to, so it sounds like a really cool season again. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. We also got a first look at Marvel Zombies, which from all indications and has been confirmed coming out of Hall H is going to be rated R, guys. It's going to be a rated R animated series on Disney+. Plus. What? It's in, uh, included zombie versions of Hawkeye, a cut-in-half Captain America, Abomination, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, Okoyo from Black Panther, Icarus from the Eternals. Um, Yes, I know what you're asking, and yes, Elizabeth Olsen is returning to voice uh, Scarlet Witch, so that's going to be badass. The human heroes taking on the zombie horde include uh, Yelena Belova, of course, from Black Widow, Aquafina's Katie from Shang-Chi, Kate Bishop from Hawkeye, Red Guardian from Black Widow, Jimmy Woo from WandaVision, Death Dealer from Shang-Chi, plus Shang-Chi himself and Miss Marvel. There's also a team of Widows from Black Widow and a biker gang of scrolls from Captain Marvel, all decked out in post-apocalyptic looks. No release date for Marvel Zombies was given. The Marvel Zombies panelists also promised that the show isn't going to shy away from the gore and grossness of the classic comic book series hence the rated r version so that's gonna be badass yeah that's very interesting (gasps) and nearly 30 years (laughs) after x-men the animated series debut many of the beloved characters are returning for marvel studios upcoming show x-men 97 yes coming to disney plus in fall of 2023 with a second season already confirmed Now, X-Men 97 will continue the story of the original animated series, which ran from 92 to 97. The new series uh, will include Rogue, Beast, Gambit, Jean Grey, 
Wolverine, Storm, Jubilee, and Cyclops. Magneto, yes. now with long hair and a purple suit, will lead the X-Men. What? Right? Isn't that kind of confusing? But we're going to have to tune in to find out. The animation revealed at Comic-Con stays true to the original animation series, but looks more modern. Uh, updated sleek cable, Bishop, Forge, Morph, and Nightcrawler will also join the X-Men on screen. Battling them will be the Hellfire Club with Emma Frost and yes. Sebastian Shaw, plus Mr. Sinister and Bolvar. Tarsk will appear. Yes, I'm so freaking excited about this. I love the fact that it's an actual continuation from the series. Yeah. That's going to be badass. For sure. Uh, the first trailer for I Am Groot, the Guardians of the Galaxy animated spinoff starting the monosyllabic of space hero himself, has been released out of Marvel Studios' Comic-Con animation panel. In addition, the panel revealed that after the initial five animated shorts premiere this August, I Am Groot will return with an additional episodes at a later date. I Am Groot is set to explore Baby Groot's adventures across the galaxy away from Guardians as he meets new characters and finds himself in perilous situations. Now, Vin Diesel returned to provide voiceovers for the series, as did Bradley Cooper, who returned to provide the voice of Rocket Raccoon, with other characters expected to return as well. Each of Groot's Oh, excuse me. Each of the five animated shorts will explore a different point of Groot's childhood. The teaser shows Groot engaging in a fight with a militaristic group of tiny blue aliens, mm. only to become their savior after a, a lead he farts out, a leaf he farts out, proves to be a source of food for the colony. Now, other clips show uh, Groot exploring a giant spaceship, dancing with a gelinous clone of himself, and dressing in moss clothing yeah so. it looks pretty adorable <laughs> it does i'm excited for that one well now shazam flew into san diego today bringing the power of the gods to the warner brothers presentation and comic-con's hall age now the one and only zachary levi took the stage to talk shazam yes. fury of the gods and introduced a new trailer for the film after showing the trailer director david s sandberg lucy Liu, asher angle or angel i should say and jack dylan grazier headed out uh, on stage to talk about the sequel the most energetic moment of the panel was uh, when Helen Mirren and Rachel Zegler appeared remotely via video, and Mirren celebrated her uh, female co-stars by saying, Yay, pussy power! <laughs> uh, during the audience Q&A, uh, Levi was asked if Superman would appear in this film, and he said, quote, I can neither confirm nor deny allegations such as these he replied winkingly as he also flooded into a question about the possible shazam 3 by an encouraging fan uh to support the sequel saying if you guys go and see this one and you'll like it that's the only way that the third one will come so i'm very excited it is very confusing to try to figure out what they're doing over at warner brothers but i think they're just putting out films i don't think they're building a universe so which i mean you know i kind of like uh yeah it, and I, it, but then on the flip side of that they are continuing with a bunch of characters that have been introduced in justice league and the Snyderverse. like uh, like uh it, I don't know. We we saw Batfleck and we saw Flash. We saw Aquaman all in there in that trailer. So um, 
Who knows what's going on? Yeah. We do know this for sure. Dwayne Johnson knows how to make a freaking entrance, y'all. It's he true. made a grand entrance to the Comic-Con Hall H, rising from the stage floor in full Black Adam costume. As he emerged, lightning bolts appeared on the screen behind him. Smoke billowed out of the floor. The audience went crazy, of course. Audience members had been giving lightning bolt lanyards before the panel. Every single one of them was lit up brightly in the darkened hall for the grand display. Now, the movie star also unveiled the newest trailer for his upcoming superhero adventure, Black Adam, as part of the presentation. The new movie is set to follow the anti-hero nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with powers of the Egyptian gods. So yeah, just to clarify, if you guys don't realize, Shazam, Greek gods, are giving him the powers. Black Adam, although similar, you think, oh, they're kind of related, they're kind of like, yeah, he gets his from Egyptian gods, so there you go, just in case you didn't know. Now freed from his tomb, Black Adam is ready to unleash his form of justice on the modern world. Now get this, guys, this is what I was just talking about, about these characters and why it's so confusing of what they're doing or not doing. It was also revealed that Viola Davis will, in fact, return as Amanda, Amanda Waller in Black Adam, uh, you guys know from Suicide Squad, obviously. She, it was confirmed during the presentation. Um, and I guess we'll find out what that means and who's going on and what's going on and why they're all coming back when Black Adam hits theaters really soon, October 21st. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. It looks really good. It does. So we'll see. Uh, Paramount Pictures also revealed Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among yes. Thieves kicked off Saturday or Saturday, whatever the fuck, at San Diego Comic-Con on Thursday as the first panel held in the massive H-Hall. Um, it became uh, the first trailer that was coming out of Comic-Con with a slew of A-list stars. I mean, let's just get into it. Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Rajiv Jean Page, Sophia Lillis, and Hugh Grant took the stage and a fucking crazy amount of applause guys oh, yeah. in addition to the trailer the audience was treated with two clips of the unfinished film the trailer features pine as broad uh, rodriguez as a barbarian justice smith who i'm excited to see as a sorcerer oh, yeah. and lilius as druid as the band of thieves attempting to rectify a mistake that unleashed a great evil evil upon their land they encounter all man manner of uh, f f freaking creatures, and Paige is a rackish Padwin who seemingly joins their quest. So I'm really excited to see how all of this is going to play together. It's a great cast, so I'm excited. Oh, me too. And I'm really excited because uh, they also confirmed that if you guys were like fans of the animated series way back in the day like I was, characters from the animated series are also going to be in this movie. So I'm super freaking pumped about that. Now, of course, we can't talk about Dungeons & Dragons without keeping in that realm of things, right? right. We got to talk about The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Amazon Prime's video's massive fantasy TV series based on the works of, of course, J.R.R. Tolkien, made a huge debut at San Diego's Comic-Con with a brand new trailer that revealed the most complete picture yet for what is in store of the show. The Comic-Con panel was moderated by Lord of the Rings superfan Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Amazon spared no expense on the panel, which included a wraparound screens, which unveiled with a booming introduction that literally shook the walls of Hall H and no less than 25 participants who cycled through the stages in groups and then all joined at the end for the brief Q&A with the audience. 
Now, the company has long targeted Comic-Con as its launching pad for the series in route to its global debut on September 2nd. So that's right around the corner now. And just keep in mind, because we said we would update you on things, it looks like House of Dragons is given their thing. Now, of course, because we got to stay in there, right? So as soon as we get any definitive information coming out of that panel of House of Dragons, we will let you know. Yes, coming out in uh, August at some point. Yep. Um, and there also was a first look at the new National Treasure coming to Disney+. Plus. Yes. And that one's going to be a series. Edge of History was shown at Comic-Con, revealing uh, the new treasure hunter stepping into Benjamin Frank Gates' shoes. The 15-second teaser offers the first glimpse of star uh, Lizette Olivia, uh, who plays Jess Morales, a 20-year-old dreamer who set off on an adventure to recover a lost Pan American treasure, unearthing, unearthing shocking secrets about her family's past in the process. The star discusses the differences between the movie, which took place before the dawn of social media, and wrapped the yeah. panel <laughs> with the game of who knows who best among the stars and writers on stage, plus, of course, a Q&A with the fans, which is always really cool. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, and of course, one of the questions was, Nicolas Cage, would he or would he not ever appear? Apparently, they did try to get him for this thing, but scheduling did not allow it, but did not rule him out making an appearance at some point in the series. That's so, cool. There you go. The first teaser for the upcoming film sequel to Teen Wolf was also released at Comic-Con, showcasing the return of the original show's cast in the Paramount Plus original movie. But get this, one of the biggest reveals of the trailer came in the final moments when Crystal Reed's character of Allison, remember Allison? You're thinking, what? No, Allison's dead. Apparently not. The panel <laughs> revealed that the movie jumps far ahead in time, and Scott is now, get this, y'all, 50. For the first time, Scott's actually older than Posey is in real life. Um, Scott has left Beacon Hills and is now living in Los Angeles, where he is living a normal, lonely life. Derek has also has a son, while Tyler Hulchin helped handpick as a producer during the audition process. That's really kind of cool. Uh, Teen Wolf, the movie, will premiere on Paramount Plus later this year. And get this little tidbit, guys. Were you as confused as I was why Superman and Lois was taking so many breaks throughout the season and getting kind of pissy about that? Well, I'm not pissy anymore because guess what? Apparently, Tyler was filming... Teen Wolf, the movie, and Superman and Lois at the same time. He Damn. was literally going back and forth filming these things so that he could be in Teen Wolf. That's fucking badass. Way to go, buddy. Yeah, that's talent <laughs> right there. I mean, two drastically different characters. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Sarah Michelle Geller has joined the cast of the Wolfpack series oh. at Paramount+. Plus. Geller made a special appearance during the Teen Wolf panel at San Diego Comic-Con on yes. Thursday to announce the casting. Geller stars as arson investigator Kristen Ramsey, a highly, highly regarded expert in her field and no stranger to personal loss. Brought in by authorities to catch a teenage arsonist who started a massive wildfire, which may have also led to a reawakening of supernatural predator Whoa. terrorizing Los Angeles. So, I mean, that sounds very interesting. And, I mean, I just, there's so many of these stars who 
you haven't really heard about for a while, or I've been doing little things here or there that are jumping back on their like main ship, and it's good to see, to be honest. Yeah, heck yeah, heck yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Sarah Michelle Geller? Exactly. Mean, that's gonna, and I mean, so known as the Vampire Slayer, now she's going to be involved with wolves. So that's kind of cool. I mean, we're just taking it totally in the different direction. I'm going to take this one. Even well, you know what? You're not as much a fan as I am of the next one, and you are a fan of this one. Let's flip flop here. Take this one. Exactly. This is well, brand new footage for John Wick. <laughs> was revealed as Keanu Reeves surprised the crowd at San Diego Comic-Con with a fresh look of the beloved action hero, who is uh, back in action yet again. The trailer finds Wick doing what he does best and and acting revenge via any weapon he can get his hands on, basically. John Wick is set to hit theaters March 24th of 2023, and I saw an article before, I think this was this past week, they actually wanted the John Wick actor to be a much older yeah. grizzly character but then Keanu Reeves came in and just fucking killed yeah, it. Yeah, so. Clint Eastwood was the apparent yeah. first choice. Yeah. Like that would have been a drastically different film series. Right. I'm just saying. All right guys, are you waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Walking Dead movies? Well, guess what? They're never coming. Nope. Why? Because they've changed direction and we're now finding out out of Comic-Con that a spin-off series centered around Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes and Danae Guerrero's Michonne uh, is set at AMC+. Plus. The two actors revealed as they surprised everybody with an appearance at uh, the last ever Walking Dead San Diego Comic-Con panel. The limited series will consist of six episodes oh, and is expected to premiere next year. Scott Gimple will serve as showrunner and Lincoln and Guerrero are executive producers. Now, the spinoff is going forward in place of the previously announced Walking Dead films, which were set to be led by Lincoln. Now, this does sound pretty good, okay? Here's the logline. The show presents an epic love story of two characters changed by a changed world, kept apart by distance, by an unstoppable power, by the ghosts of who they were. Rick and Michonne are thrown into another world, built on a war against the dead, and ultimately a war against the living. Can they find each other and who they were in a place and situation unlike any they've ever known before? Are they enemies, lovers, victims, victors? Without each other, are are they even alive or will they find that they too are amongst the walking dead? That shit sounds, I mean, that was well-written. Yeah. It's badass and it makes me want to watch it. I'm really glad though, that they are finally just going to wrap up that whole original thing in a little six episode series, as opposed to keep going with movies. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. Well, AMC also announced that they finally set a premiere date uh, and released a trailer for the final installments of The Walking Dead. The eight remaining episodes of the 11th and final season of the long-running zombie series will begin airing October 2nd on AMC. I know a lot of people have been, you know, just really trying to get through this. Yeah. I, a lot of people dropped off season seven. I honestly dropped off right before Rick left. Um, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we still got the Negan and Maggie spinoff. We've still got the Daryl spinoff. So it's not going anywhere, but yeah. they're wrapping up the original storyline. Yeah. So this one's exciting. We've been talking about this on the show for several weeks now, but now we're getting definitively more information coming out of Comic-Con. The Gremlin Secrets of Mogawi cast is officially stacked now. The prequel series just announced a whole new lineup of celebrity voice talent at their San Diego Comic-Con panel, including the return of original Billy. 
really Zach Galligan. Galligan surprised fans on stage, revealing that he will have a recurring guest role on the HBO Max series, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai. Mm. Uh, but that's not all. The panel also announced a truly iconic list of guest stars for the new series, including Sandra Oh, Randall Park, George Takei, and Bowen Yang. Mm. The series had already announced, and we've already told you about, a roster of Hollywood icons before that, including James Hong, B.D. Wong, Ming-Na Wen, and Matthew Reese. So that is a stacked as shit cast that's going to be in that series. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, seriously, man. Seriously. Well, that's all we have right now of Comic-Con, but like we said, we'll be keeping you posted, checking our feeds basically every second to see if anything <laughs> drops. Like you said, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, so I'm super excited for what's happening as we speak. Um, but now getting into Disney's part of the show, yes. Marvel's Thor Love and Thunder catered in its second weekend, falling about 68% to just $46 million from 4,375 4, <laughs> theaters, though the latest installment in Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe easily towered over a trio of newcomers to remain at number one uh, in North America, though Love and Thunder will certainly end its box office run with a tidy sum. Uh, it's not ideal for a film of its size and scope to lose such a significant mm. fraction of its audience so quickly after the opening weekend. It's one of the biggest uh, second weekends in the MCU's history, though, next to May's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which tumbled 67% in its sophomore outing. Disney's Strange sequel uh, still earned a mighty $411 million domestically. Damn! And by uh, comparison, recent Marvel entries were able to fare better with Eternals dipping 61% and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings falling about 52%. So, you know, it is what it is. I feel like, eh, you know, people... But that one, I don't think there's a lot of rewatch value. No, I think it's word of mouth. People yeah. didn't really like it. I, I, you remember all the heat that Eternals was taking, and yet Thor, Love and Thunder, had a bigger fall in the second week than Eternals did. That yeah. should tell you everything you need to know about what people thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? Yesterday, super pumped about this one. And I can't believe I'm applauding Chappic, but I'm going to applaud him briefly for this move. Yesterday, Disney Plus launched the first R-rated movies on the streaming platform. Yes, you heard me correctly. Disney Plus has R-rated films. And what are they? Oh, you're going to like it. Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Logan. Yes, the three Marvel movies were, of course, produced by 20th Century Fox, which is now, of course, owned by Disney. And they're filled with violence, adult themes, and profanity. Logan even contains extremely strong and bloody comic book violence, along with nudity, profanity, and alcohol consumption. But it's on Disney+, Plus, and yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Deadpool and Logan, like, they made history, man. For superhero films, they really did. They're just epic, both of them. Yes. Uh, Disney also announced that Lightyear will be released on Disney Plus on August 3rd. Lightyear is the first Pixar movie since Onward back in 2020 to have a theatrical-only release opening at number two at the box office mm. for its first weekend. Soul and uh, Luca and Turning Red all made immediate debuts on Disney Plus 
all of them are phenomenal films, guys. I know Lightyear has been taking some heat because a lot of people are confused about it. But when it drops on Disney+, Plus, do us a favor and just watch it and let us know what you think about it. Be sure to let us know on Twitter or comments or anything like that because we personally love the film. Yeah, so. yeah. And now that you know what it's actually about, you can go into it with the right state of mind. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It will be, though, open number two. So it's going to be curious to see if moving forward, Pixar will continue to just drop them exclusively on Disney Plus, or will they try theatrical again? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. This is exciting news. The Star Wars series, The Acolyte, will officially be led by one of my favorites, Amanda Stenberg. The announcement came yesterday with the official Star Wars account tweeting out a picture of Stenberg. Now, this is going farther back in time than any live-action Star Wars title before it. The Acolyte is set a century before the events of Episode 1, y'all. Mm. Whoa! The series promises to depict a galaxy at the peak of the era of the High Republic when the Jedi were at their strongest and the Sith were believed to have been eradicated from the galaxy. This is going to be a badass series. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be very political. Um, Because, you know, the prequel series that George Lucas put out, I mean, or he directed, those were so political. And in this era, when they're is no Sith. Well, really, quote unquote, no right. Sith. Of course, there's probably going to be a bad guy. But still, like, <laughs> I'm super excited because we're going to get to see legendary Jedis that you've only heard about in the source material or people have referenced in either the series, the, you know, the animated series or the live action or film. So I'm super freaking pumped Heck for that yeah. one. Well, Zack Steiner from Euphoria has signed on to a role in 20th Century Studios reboot of White Men can't jump he joins the ensemble cast led by jack harlow which includes uh sequa walls uh lance reddick uh, tanya taylor laura Hare, tamara t keeson miles bullock and vince staples now details as the character that he will be playing uh, have been uh very disclosed no one knows no yeah. one knows so yeah they never tell us. They never do. They always <laughs> keep those things under wraps. I, I'm kind of scared for this one. I to am be too. Honest. I mean, I loved the original, and I just don't think they should have touched Did it. Did you ever go see uh, Uncle Drew, the one with all the real yeah, basketball Yeah, with Shaq players? and all them, yeah. I think it's going to be that type of thing, where it's like, it's entertaining to watch, but there's no really rewatch value or it's not going to be See, like yeah. a classic and the first one i really enjoyed because woody harrelson and wesley snipes and rosie perez they were just fantastic and it introduced a lot of people to street basketball that weren't familiar with it you know and these two guys conning and hustling people it was really like entertaining to watch i just don't think they should do this remake <laughs> but it they did i guess we'll keep following it rosemary dewitt from the staircase luke kirby from the marvelous mrs Maisel, and judith light from who's the boss and american crime story are set as leads joining Phoebe Ray Taylor in out of my mind. Mm. Disney Plus's film adaptation of Sharon Draper's award-winning novel. Also joining the ensemble cast are Michael Chernis from Severance and Courtney Taylor from Insecure. Now production is currently underway in Toronto. Out of my mind fouls Melody Brooks, played by Taylor, a girl with cerebral palsy. Mm. Melody has a quick wit and a sharp mind, but due to her being nonverbal and using a wheelchair, she is not given the same academic opportunities as her classmates. However, when Catherine, a young educator, notices her students' untapped potential, she encourages Melody to participate in mainstream education where greater successes and challenges await. 
good. I like this because there are a lot of handicapped people that are treated unfairly and not given opportunities. And so a series that will highlight changing this, kudos. I'm loving that. That is hilarious. And just a quick funny antidote. I guess some a fan asked um, – What's his fit? Matt Smith, if there were going to be any coffee cups on the set of <laughs> House of the Dragons. And he says, they're everywhere. They're <laughs> everywhere. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, guys, Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, her, has yes. been tapped to play beloved Disney princess Belle in ABC's upcoming animated and live action blended special, Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration, executive produced by John M. Chu and director. Directed by Hamish Hamilton. The R&B star will lead audiences through the world of Belle with never-before-seen live musical performances paying homage to the timeless tale, as well as new set costumes inspired by the classic story. Hers casting remarks have are hers casting marks the first time an Afro-Filipino woman will play the role of Belle on screen. At the two-hour Beauty and the Beast reimagining will be taped in front of a live studio audience at Disney Studios. It will air December 15th on ABC and be available on Disney Plus the next day. Well, there you go. I'm excited for that one. I am too. You know, I, I, we keep talking about don't keep doing these reboots, these reimagining. Yeah. But I like these live Broadway type showings of this thing. Yeah. And I think she's going to be fantastic. I'm a huge fan of her. And I, I am think too. She, she's going to be just phenomenal in that. Really excited. Okay, guys, the latest update of Apparently, unfortunately, uh, no new trailer released and no new exclusives. It's really the biggest news we found out so far is the joke about the coffee cup. Apparently, there is nothing coming out of this panel that's mind boggling and like, oh, my gosh, all those people lined up overnight for basically just to see the cat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're kind of getting out of this right now, guys. So, um, well, that's a bummer. It Sorry, is. House of Dragon fans. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's just what not very fuck? good. Man, guys, total you know, bummer. It is what it is. All right, so here's some good news, though, if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, and maybe some bad news, too. I'm taking this as a sure sign that Ellen Pompeo at some point is definitely leaving, but that Grey's Anatomy is probably staying. Why am I saying that? Because get this, guys. Inventing Anna Bray Breakout star Alexis Floyd, The Thing About Harry star Nico Tejero, and The Sex Lives of College Girls star Midori Francis are all joining Grey's Anatomy as series regulars for the hugely popular medical drama's upcoming 19th season. Now, Floyd will play Simone Griffin, a new first-year surgical resident at Grace Loan. A funny, whip-smart, high-achiever with a complicated family dynamic, she grew up in Seattle but never wanted to work at Grace Loan because of a painful personal history mm. with the hospital. Tarot will play a first-year surgical resident at Gray Sloan. Uh, Tarot's Lucas Adams is the charming black sheep of his family, likable to a fault. He has a great mind, but doesn't have the grades to match. He's determined to prove himself as a surgeon, just like the many in his family that have come before him, but he will have to stop relying on his people skills and put in the work. Now, Francis's Mika Yasuda is in the middle child with eight siblings. She is used to being overlooked and underestimated and uses that to her advantage. Mika is dealing with an overwhelming student loans from med school, but she's a scrappy and confident and can make it in the program and rise to the top. Now, why do I say that? Because clearly you've got a a black one, a white, and an Asian 
They are dynamic family problems, mm-hmm. underestimated, and a highly whip smart genius. Does that not sound like three of the original people? Exactly. Like Burke, right? Yeah, we we're talking Burke, uh, Gray, and um, oh my gosh, now I can't even remember home dude's name. That that uh, Karev. Co- no, no, no. Uh, that that um, O'Malley. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, the, the the black doctor, the one that was like uh, Weber. With, yeah, no, Weber? not Weber. What are you talking about? The heart surgeon. That, oh, that, uh, oh, fucking the douchebag. I know yeah, it's been so long now. Is. I can't even remember his name. But the overconfident, cocky, whip smart heart doctor. You know, yeah. All of the, doesn't that sound very like that? I think, guys, I think these first year residents are your new stars yeah. of the show. Well, I think it sounds forward. very much like the original five, like from the original. Yeah, you know, for Karev, uh, Ellen, obviously Greg and um Sandra. Burke. so yeah Burke was yeah. his name yeah <laughs> <laughs> Bing! but that I'm um, yeah I'm very excited I mean I feel like you know if they do kind of like a soap opera thing I think it's a well-oiled machine kind of like law and order so I think it would do well yeah one um, of the things that made law and order so successful is that they were able to move out cast members on a regular basis and and keep it going so. exactly exactly well, John, or J. Anthony Pina, who heavily recurred in uh, Deputy Mo uh, Popper Mink uh, in yes. season two of ABC's Big Sky, has been promoted to a series regular for the upcoming third season. He appeared in 16 episodes last season. Additionally, Luke Mitchell from Blindspot, Seth Gable from Salem, Henry Ian uh, Chusick from Lost, and uh, Madeline Horcher from Grace Point have all joined the reoccurring cast. In those type of roles. In Big Sky Season 3, private detective uh, Casey Dewell under Sheriff Jenny Hoyt and a newly appointed Sheriff uh, Bo Aron retain order in Helena, Montana. But when a local backcountry trip led a charismatic outfit fitter, uh, Sonny Barnes goes airy, and the trio face their most formidable mystery yet. I know you like this one I a lot, love this so, one, yeah. Uh, I'm I, a huge fan. It'll be interesting to see how on that one moves forward. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Veteran character actor William Stanford Davis, who recurred heavily on the first season of Abbott Elementary, has been promoted to a series regular on the upcoming second season of the breakout ABC workplace comedy. He will continue as Abbott's eccentric custodian, of course, Mr. Johnson. This marks the First series regular role in his 27-year acting career. Well done, sir. Well done. He is joining returning series regulars Quinta Brunson, of course, Tyler James Williams, Janelle James, Lisa Ann Walter, Chris Pafelti, and Cheryl Lee Ralph. That's awesome. Right. And I mean, speaking of that hit show about elementary, the school comedy continues to make waves by scoring a full rare full season. 22 episodes ordered for season two. Wow. ABC final the size of the season two order as being 22 episodes in June, though the network's plan had always been to give the series ABC's number one comedy in adults 18 to 49 last season. Uh, a straight out full season pickup, man. That's insane and especially kind of weird in these time of streaming. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, it's unheard of now, 22 episodes, yeah. but that's freaking awesome. Hey, did Hugh Jackman's Wolverine make an appearance? Not yet. We haven't heard anything, but we do have some Hugh Jackman news for all you guys out there. Apparently, 
him and Succession actress Sarah Snook and Australian comedian Demi Lardner have all joined the cast of the upcoming Hulu animated comedy series Koala Man. Mm. This one sounds really good, guys. The series, which was ordered at Hulu back in March of 2021, was created by Michael Cusack, who also voices the title character. Now, the show fouls Kevin as his not-so-secret identity, whose only superpower is a burning passion for fouling rules and snuffing out Betty crime in the town of Dapto. Though it may seem like any other Australian suburb, forces of evil, both cosmic and made man-made, lie in wait to pounce on unsuspecting Dutopians. On a quest to clean up his hometown, and often roping his frustrated family into his adventures, Koala Man stands at the ready. He'll do whatever it takes to defeat villainous masterminds, supernatural horrors, or worse, jukes jerks who don't take their rubbish bins down on the proper days. Now, Jackman is set to star as Big Greg, the most well-liked man in Depato, uh, and head of the town council. Now, per the character description, Big Greg has only known success. Formerly the host of Fishing Big with Big Greg, Australia's third most popular fishing show. Big Greg has ridden his celebrity uh, into a trusted position in Dopto. As Kevin's direct supervisor, Big Greg makes Kevin feel inadequate as a provider and a man. <laughs> At insult to injury, Dutopians constantly credit Big Greg for Koala Man's work in saving the town. Now, Snook is set to play Vicky, who believes her husband Kevin, middle-aged father as well as a somewhat pathetic hero, is just going through a phase. Vicky hopes someday Kevin will snap the passion she feels is missing. Uh, Lardner plays Allison, the daughter of Kevin, and twin to Liam, dedicated to becoming the most popular girl in school. Allison is passionately determined to become the top dog. The hypersocial girl attempts to distance herself from the family in order to rise up the ranks of the school's social hierarchy. That show sounds Ooh. freaking hysterical. Right? That's absolutely wild. I mean, Hugh Jackman, he's just been killing it right now. Oh, yeah. Fucking love it. Well, the fourth and final season of FX's Atlanta has set a premiere date for September with episodes streaming on Hulu the following day after that. It only makes sense, man. It only makes sense. And also, Breeder at FX has been renewed for its fourth season. Uh, the comedy series stars Martin Freeman, Daisy Haggard, and an exploration of challenges of modern parenting. Now, season three, uh, which concluded on July 11th, picked up days after season two ended as the Worsley family reels from uh, teenage Luke, who's played by Alex Eastwood, punching his dad, who's played by Paul, who is mm. Freeman. Uh, Paul, who's moved out and is staying at his mother-in-law's, Leah's, house. Eventually, though, amends with Luke must be made. Meanwhile, Allie has her own problems with her work, with her elderly menopause, and with her increasingly strange relationship with her newly adolescent daughter, Ava. So oh. there's a lot going on there. Family drama. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Okay, so the next one we're seeing coming out of here is apparently the debut of Bat Wheels, DC's uh, first animated preschool series. That's interesting. They gave right. a sneak peek teaser for the series. It introduced fans to the crime-fighting Bat Wheels team, Bam, the Batmobile, 
BB, the Batgirl cycle, Redbird, Robin sports car, Batwing, the Batwing jet plane, and Buff, the Bat truck. Mm. Uh, besides the teaser, Batwheels also announced a half-hour origin special on Batman Day set for September 17th. The origin show will exclusively bow on Cartoon Nito and HBO Max. That's kind of cool. Batwheels apparently will follow a group of young, sentient, super-powered vehicles as they defend Gotham City alongside Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. The voice cast includes Ethan Hawke as Batman, Jacob Bertrand as Bam the Batmobile, Gina Rodriguez as Catwoman, and Zolo Marandunia as Snowy the Snowcrawler. There you go. Right. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> very, very interesting. We told you we'd give you all the news out of Comic-Con, and there you go. Batwheels. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Jumping over to the bunny where can Warner Brothers Discovery were continuing to settle its executive slate and direction under CEO Daz- David Zasloff. Warner Brothers Discovery has re-upped HBO and HBO Max chief content Casey Bloy's deal for another five years. Now, Bloy's extension comes just after he landed his new boss 140 Emmy nominations for HBO and HBO Max programming combined. So, uh, yeah. A lot of <laughs> uh, good stuff happened. Makes sense you want to keep the guy around. He's been pretty successful. Exactly. And Sally Richardson Whitfield has extended her overall deal with HBO and HBO Max for an additional two years. Under the term of the deal, Whitfield will become an executive producer on the HBO basketball drama Winning Time, The Rise of the Laker Dynasty, and will direct the second half of the show's upcoming second season. She previously directed two episodes in season one, including both the um, the Pennyable uh, the the both the what is that word right there? Where are we at? Right here. Oh, pendulum. Pendulum episode, episode yes. and the season finale. Whitfield currently runs her early May production banner, under which she will continue to develop original series for HBO and HBO Max. Among the company's current development slate is companies or is the comedy Motherland Bounce, based on the life of rapper Nissim Black with Michonne Rasher on board as the writer. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. Now, I know you're excited about this one. New Line Cinema has tapped Simon McCoy to return to direct the sequel to Mortal Kombat. Uh, McCoy, who made his feature directorial debut with the 2021 film adaptation of the beloved fighting video game series, will direct the sequel from a script penned by Jeremy Slater. The sequel will be the fourth overall film in the Mortal Kombat film franchise. The 2021 film premiered in the middle of COVID-19, obviously, via a simultaneous release on HBO Max. The film was a modest success, opening at a number one at the box office and grossing $84 million worldwide against a $55 million budget. So not too bad. Didn't go into profit, but wasn't bad. The title was also HBO Max's most successful film launch at that time. So makes sense it's getting a sequel. Exactly, exactly. Now, guys, I'm sure everybody saw the trailer for this one. I mean, it's absolutely like it's a lot i'm not gonna lie um (laughs) hbo and the weekend have released the teaser trailer for the idol the network's upcoming dramatic series starring singer and uh lily rose depp the footage begins announcing the sick and twisted minds of the series co-creators abel the weekend and uh sam levinson from euphoria uh the teaser then launches a hyperactive montage of Hollywood Mansion 
means colorful parties, cocaine, ingestion, and fast cars. More, more, more orgies, they say, yells <laughs> the voice in the trailer. The trailer concludes with a tense interactive between uh, Depp's character and an unseen figure, supposedly um, the Weekend's character, that asks, Do you trust me? Not really, Depp's character says with a smile. Co-creator by, uh, like I said, The Weeknd, Levinson, and Reza Fahim. The idol is set against the backdrop of the music industry. Mm. The plot follows self-help guru and cult leader who develops a complicated relationship with an up-and-coming pop idol. Uh, the idol has not been set for a premiere date with the teaser concluding with a simple coming soon. Oh, I hate when they do that. Yeah, it's right. Like, when is soon? Ah. This one uh, sounds interesting for sure. HBO announced that its Princess Diana documentary, The Princess, will premiere on the premium cabler at 8 p.m. Eastern on August 13th, just days before the 25th anniversary of the Royals' tragic death on the 31st. The film, directed by Academy Award nominee Ed Perkins, uh, will also be available to stream on HBO Max. Now, HBO's intimate and immersive new look at the former's life draws solely from the contemporary archival audio and video footage taken to the audiences back to key events in Diana's life as they happened, including her seemingly fairy tale public courtship and wedding, the birth of her two sons, her and Charles's bitter divorce, and Diana's, of course, untimely death at age 36 on August 31st, 1997. The film unfolds as if it were in the present, allowing viewers to experience the overwhelming adoration, but also intense scrutiny of Diana's every move and the constant judgment of her character. It also serves as a reflection of society at the time, revealing the public's own preoccupations, fears, aspirations, and desires. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to get real deep, man. I love it, though. Well, Paramount has been seeing hugely successful runs at the box office recently. 2022 has been huge for them. Like I said, The Lost City, Scream, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and of course, the one and only Top Gun Maverick, which is just, you know... The Avengers, uh, 623.3 million to become the ninth highest grossing film in the domestic box office history. But the studio suffered its first failure this past weekend with Pause of Fury, which failed to make or match expectations, only taking in a, a dismal uh, 6.25 million Ugh. from 3,475 North American locations. Paramount Pictures and Nickelodeon Animations could still turn a profit on the flop, though, as acquiring Paul's of Fury only cost about $10 million. God, so, when I you mean, think about that, though, $6.25 million, Thursday night previews usually do like twice exactly. that much. So for the whole weekend to yeah. only get that. Uh, Paramount's made a few changes to its release calendar, delaying several upcoming projects. Hmm. A Quiet Place Day One, which had previously been untitled, at least now we have a title for it, will hit theaters on March 8th, 2024. The film had been set to bow on September 22nd of 2023. Plot details on the sequel remain under wraps, though the newly announced title suggests a prequel of sorts to the post-apocalyptic series. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
There yeah. it is, man. Super excited about that one. Those have been doing really well at the box office. The studio's upcoming film, If, directed by John Krasinski and starring Ryan Reynolds, has set a new release date of May 24th of 2024. After previously being set for mm-hmm. November 17th of 2023, Krasinski also stars in a film while the supporting cast includes names as, as such Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Kaylee Fleming, uh, Louise Gossett Jr., Fiona Shaw, Alan S. Kim, and the one and only Steve Carell. Wow. I mean, I can only imagine the schedule and conflicts with that cast. I so mean, it makes sense. It does seem to make sense. The Tiger's Apprentice, a feature adaptation of Lawrence Yep's fantasy novel with the same name, apparently will open a few weeks later than originally scheduled also. The film release will now be January 19th, 2024, as opposed to its original date of December 20th, 2023. Right. And Paramount has also elected to bump its upcoming 25th anniversary release. Oh of James Cameron's Titanic by a few months, moving uh, the wide release from October 21st to February 10th of 2023. Trying to capitalize fucking on Valentine's Day. Right. That's a, that was a, that's a given that that's why For that move sure. happened. I mean, come on. Edwin Hodge, I'm super excited about this one, is officially the newest member of the Fugitive Task Force on CBS's FBI Most Wanted. Following Miguel Gomez's exit in June, he will make his debut this fall during the show's fourth season. Hodge will be playing Ray Cannon. Now, Cannon transferred to Remy Scott, which of course is now Dylan McDermott's team, uh, from FBI's Violent Crimes Office in Albany. He started his career in Nolan, y'all, as a cop-turned-junior detective, then graduated at the top of his class at Quantico last year, following his retired FBI agent father's footsteps. FBI Most Wanted kicks off at 10 p.m. on September 20th. That sounds cool. That sounds like a cool character. It does. Well, CBS has given a pilot order to the Never Game, a drama series adaptation of Jeffrey Deaver's novel starring and executive produced by Justin Hartley. Yeah. The project, which uh, received a pilot production commitment in September of 2021, comes from director Ken Olin and 20th Television. Because of Hartley's commitment to the final season of This Is Us, the Never Game had been targeted for the offseason. As Deadline reported, the project quietly underwent a writer change in the spring with uh, Ben Winters replacing Michael Cooney. Now, who had been attached to this pitch since uh, it was sold back last fall? Winter's scripted or script was delivered to CBS last week and was very well received by Network Brass, uh, putting the project on a fast track for pilot pickup. The series sense. features Hartley and Lone Wolf Survivor as Lone Wolf Survivalist Coulter Shaw, who roams the country as a reward seeker, using his expert tracking skills to help private citizens and law enforcement to solve all manner of mysteries while contending with his own fractured family. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be like, a, I, I love Justin Hartley. I don't think yeah. he gets nearly enough recognition, and I, to play a deep character like that's going to be. And by the way, guys, if you didn't know, Ken Olin directed nearly every episode of This Is Us, so that's familiar territory too that Ken Olin is going to be involved with it so that's awesome uh Universal is no doubt smiling guys as it's 
hit film Universal uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, remained the de facto choice for family audiences this past weekend, landing in second place at the box office charts with $26 million from 4,114 theaters. That's impressive with Thor, right? Because it opened against Thor. After three weeks of release, the Minion sequel has generated $262 million domestically. The movie's also generated another $270 million at the international box office, making its global tally more than half a billion dollars at $532.7 million. Damn, that's insane. Wow. Uh, well, guys, the official trailer of Oppenheimer is debuting exclusively in movie theaters. Yes. The brief teaser is attached to showings of Jordan Peele's Nope, which makes sense since both the movies are backed by Universal Pictures. Nope screening uh, began as early as 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time in New York City on Thursday, July 21st. Now, Oppenheimer opens in theaters this weekend, so be sure to head out and see it. That makes me want to go see it just to see the trailer. Just to see the trailer. They also released the first look poster, which was badass. Yeah. That fucking bomb behind him just, oh my gosh. Universal also released the first trailer for Halloween Ends, director David Gordon Green's third and allegedly final, we'll see, entry in the horror series. Halloween Ends is the 13th installment in the Halloween slasher franchise and the fourth in the chronological established by 2018's Halloween, which ignored every film from the series aside from the original back in 1978. This one will follow the cliffhanger ending in Halloween Kills. Curtis and Machinock will reprise their roles from the last two movies. Also reprising their roles from the previous films are Will Patton, Kylie Richards, and Omar Dorsey, while Michael O'Leary joins as a new addition to the cast. That's really cool. Well, NBC has ordered the drama Found, two series. Yes! Now, Found hails from writer and executive producer... Nechi Okro, Carol, and Shinola Hampton is set to star in a leading role. The show also stars uh, Brett Dalton, Gabrielle Walsh, Arlene Escobarita, Karen Wobori, and Kelly Williams. Now, we've talked about this previously on episodes. Found is built around the fact that in any given year, more than 600,000 people are reported missing in the U.S., but more than half of that number are people of color uh, that the country seems to just forget about. Public relations specialist Gabby Mosley, who's played by Hampton, who uh, was once herself one of those forget forgotten ones, and her crisis management team now makes sure that there is always someone looking for those forgotten missing people. Uh, but be known, unbeknownst to anyone, this everyday hero is hiding a chilling secret of her own. Super freaking excited about that one right. not only is it such a, a such a huge issue that the country is dealing with right now trafficking and missing people is just massive and often goes on talked about but shinola we love shinola and for her to be starring in that it's just going to be amazing right uh freema Eichmann, one of the original stars of nbc's new amsterdam will not be returning for the show's fifth and final season the news comes just five days after it was announced that Eichmann will star in the sky original comedy dreamland opposite lily allen Filming in Europe has already begun. Now, while it has not yet been revealed how Eggman will be written out of New Amsterdam, season four ended with Max and Helen set to tie the knot in New York. However, as he waited for her on the big day, she called in tears from London saying, I can't. And he told everyone, 
she's not coming. Mm. So that's one way to write her off. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. This next one is a very interesting situation, and it's developing as we speak, so we will stay on top of it and report on it on further shows if there's more things that come out about it. But a crew member for Law & Order Organized Crime was shot and killed early Tuesday morning in New York while on location for filming for the show's third season. According to NYPD, a crew member was 30, uh, 31 years old named Johnny Perizzo, uh, Perizzo, who currently lived in Queens. He was just sitting in his car at approximately 5.15 a.m. Eastern Time in the Greenpoint neighborhood of Brooklyn when an unknown person approached the car, opened the door, and then opened fire. Mm. Now, Johnny was transported to Woodhall Hospital where he was pronounced dead on arrival. Filming was uh, to take place in the neighborhood, and he was there early as part of the set security and parking enforcement. He uh, was employed by a private company that was contracted by the production. It is unclear if the killer knew the victim or what the possible motive could be. The killer was described by a witness wearing a black hoodie and black pants. NBC Studios and uh, Universal Television said in a joint statement, quote, we were terribly saddened and shocked to hear about one of our crew members that was the victim of the crime early this morning and has died as the result. We are working with local law enforcement as they continue to investigate. Our hearts go out to his family and friends, and we ask that you respect their privacy during their time. Yeah, I mean, that situation is crazy because, I mean, just so many things keep happening where you you just feel uncomfortable to leave your house, and this guy was just going to work. Yeah, so it's like, just, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, and hopefully, please, and I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but hopefully everybody involved with, with Dick Wolf Productions, everybody involved with those shows, this is not a ripped-from-the-headline story that you want to turn into a show. Yeah. I'm just saying do not do that yeah please don't. um got some news coming out guys got some news coming out we're jumping paramount and star trek picard apparently they've released some uh character posters uh from the long-awaited upcoming and final third season uh as quote as long as you and your crew remain steadfast you are never without hope that's what Jean-Luc Picard is saying in the teaser trailer which was also announced just now um and shown at comic-con uh, Star Trek The Next Generation series characters, all of them are rejoining their captain on what looks to be his final mission. The one-minute sneak peek at the upcoming third season of Picard was the crescendo in many ways to today's Hall H gathering. Having first ignited uh, back in 2019 with the return of Stuart on Picard's inaugural uh, CDCD, CSDCC, I can't even get that out, uh, panel. Uh, so there you go. And these, uh, oh my gosh, Worf looks badass. Guys, you got to check these out when you get a chance, get on social media. These posters are badass of the original crew all coming back. Wow. All right. I'm super pumped for that one. And yeah, as you guys know, that is the final season. And if you didn't hear Star Trek, the next generation, the whole cast is coming back mm. to join him in the final season. That's going to be badass. All right, jumping away, and now back to Sony and the regular uh, news here. This is exciting because we loved it. Sony's Where the Crawdads Sing debuted with a much better than expected $17 million 
from 3,650 screens. That's an impressive start for this kind of movie, especially at a time when television has become a haven for those type stories. Sony spent just $24 million to produce the film, so it won't be impossible to turn a profit. Critics and audiences had vastly different reactions. Where the Crawdad Sings, which holds a bleak 36% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, holds a solid A-plus rating or A-minus rating on CinemaScore from moviegoers. Now, with positive word of mouth, the movie has the potential to stand out to people who aren't familiar with the best-selling book. And I'm seeing right now, before we started, it's going to do another 9 or $10 million this weekend, which is a scant 40% drop, which means it is going to do profit and is going to hold at the box office for a little bit. So congratulations. It's a great film. Yeah, I completely agree. I, uh, I was considering it the best film that is not a box office like blockbuster agreed um, and it's very interesting because i could be wrong and i'm trying to look it up real quick but i think that the writer of this film is kind of on the run right now uh as a possible murder suspect uh could, what yeah uh the writer like, of the screenplay yeah oh yeah well no the writer of the book oh yeah it, Right here, the Where the Crawdads Sing author wanted for questioning in a murder. This was July 11th of 2022. Uh, Delia Owens. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the, yeah. Uh, it was something about uh, they, they, uh, a poacher was killed. And so, yeah, uh, she is wanted for questioning. Well, we will keep you updated on that one. Yeah. Now that's a ripped from the headline story that Dick Wolf can use. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But like Paramount, Sony has also made some changes to its release schedule. Madam Web will be swinging into theaters a little later than previously announced. The upcoming Spider-Man spinoff film release date has been moved from our two October 6th of 2023. Mm. Uh, That's three months later than previously announced in July of 2023. Insidious five will move into madam webb's previously announced release date the horror sequel will now arrive in theaters july 7th of next year now in addition to madam webb and insidious five sony also announced a few other scheduling shifts a man called auto the december release date based on uh frederick blackman's novel with tom hanks headlining the cast will now open december 14th after originally being planned for christmas day release Mm. The Russell Crowe's horror film, The Pope's Exorcist, has been dated for April 7th, and an untitled biopic of Olympic athlete George Foreman has been moved to March 31st from, or from March 31st to, or from, to March 31st from April 7th. There we go. While the Adam Driver-led sci-fi film 65 will hit theaters on April 28th as opposed to April 14th. And finally, a a currently untitled Sony and Marvel Universe film originally scheduled for October 6th of 2023 has been pushed back to June 7th of 2024. So there. Interesting. A lot there. All right. Jump into Lionsgate where apparently everybody is boarding this film. Peter Dinklage is the latest to have been cast as Kasuka Highbottom in the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Dinklage will star opposite Tom Blythe as young Cor- uh, Coriolis, I can't even say his name, Coriolis Snow, uh, Rachel Ziegler as tribute Lucy Gray Baird, and Hunter Schaefer as Tigress Snow. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes debuts in theaters worldwide next year on November 17th. 
Mm, Everybody, I mean, it seems like every week we're talking about somebody being attached to that thing. Yeah, seriously. Well, Antonio Thomas from The Good Doctor, Will Davis, Adele Lawrence, and Will Hope from Chainsaw Massacre, Stephen Cree from Terminator Dark Fate, Sharon D. Clark from Broadway's Caroline or Change will join Sam Clafton from The Hunger Games in the Lionsgate supernatural thriller Bagsman. The film centers on Patrick Mackey, Mackey, a father who desperately struggles against the deepest inner fear when a sinister threat from his childhood returns to haunt him. Only this time, the fight isn't for himself, it is for his family. Now, Thomas will play Patrick's wife, uh, Karina, and Cree as his brother. Liam Davis is set in the title role as Bagman, and Lawrence will portray uh, Katrina's sister, Anna. Hope will play Chef Isaac uh, Isaacs and with Clark as the therapist, Barbara. So there oh. it is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I just look, look, look at these. Like how badass they they look pretty good, man. They Warf, look pretty good. I'm just saying. I'm I'm just looking at Worf. Your badass old Worf looks like I don't want to fuck with him. Uh, jumping over to Netflix. More bad news. Netflix reported its second quarter 2022 earnings this past Tuesday, revealing that it lost another 970,000 subscribers during the three month period that included the launch of the first part of Stranger Things season four. Guys, that's not good news because Stranger Things was freaking massive and they still lost subscribers. That is not good news. Now, while that's obviously a hit to the overall tally for the industry's leading subscription streaming platform, it is a far smaller loss than what they had predicted in April. The company revealed to shareholders it currently has 220.67 million subscribers globally and is expecting to return to gains in the next quarter, projecting an addition of 1 million subs from July to September. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My thoughts, exactly. We'll see. <laughs> uh, one uh, one way Netflix is angling to win over a new block of valued uh, conscious consumers and help turn around its declining subscriber numbers is with a new ad-supported streaming package Ooh. set to debut in early 2023. The company, in announcing in quarter two earnings, said it's targeting the launch of the ad-supported plan around early part of 2023. Netflix has not revealed pricing for the ad-supported plan, but it is promised to be less than the streamer's most popular plan without any commercials. The standard package, $15.49 a month in the U.S., uh, which includes two HD streams. Hmm. I think a lot of people have that one. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes over. I feel like it's an inevitable for all of these streamers to add ad-supported plans. So I think we'll so, see. too. It's the only way these things are going to be profitable, guys, because they're not profitable right now for anybody. Uh, this seems like a smart move, and they've said in the past that they want to make a deep dive into animated content, and this seems to be a move towards that. Netflix announced it's acquiring Australian animation studio Animal Logic, which is producing films for the streamer, including The Magician's Elephant, directed by Wendy Rogers, and The Shrinking of the Treehorns, directed by Ron Howard himself. Now, the company did not disclose the purchase price for Animal Logic, but said it will fund the acquisition from cash on hand. Netflix expects to close the deal later this year, subject 
subjects to certain regulatory approvals, of course. Mm. Of course, man. Netflix doing some shady shit. <laughs> Netflix has greenlit the third season of true crime series, I Am a Killer, the show that interviews murderers on death row or those who are spending the majority of their lives behind bars. Sky Studios' back tra- uh, transitor films has gained access to maximum security prisons across the U.S. for three seasons, exploring the crimes in question through exclusive interviews with men and women that committed them. Uh, coupled with a with uh, contributor interviews, the subject will once again recount the events which led them to the murder, exploring their motivations and ultimately how they now view their crimes after time spent in some of the toughest prisons in the U.S. The six-parter will launch in late August. So there oh, it is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, some more news coming out, guys. Apparently, the creators behind Picard said they felt like it needed two seasons to earn the return of the original cast all together once again. They also said that uh, they're staying mum on who the main villain of this season will be, other than to say she's amazing. So I don't know. Leah Thompson is uh, moderating that panel. And if you guys didn't know, Leah Thompson, obviously, Back to the Future, Howard the Duck, all kinds of cool stuff. She's amazing. Uh, she directed a bunch of episodes of the second season. So it makes sense that she's doing that. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. I'm trying to see if there's anything else like a release date or anything like that. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Keeping an eye on it, though. So uh, a, a female villain. Hmm, I'm wondering who that is. Jumping over to Amazon, Jessica Green from The Outpost is the latest addition to the cast of Ben Affleck's Nike drama for Amazon Studios, in which, of course, Affleck will star opposite Matt Damon. The untitled film, as we've told you, has Damon playing Maverick sneaker salesman and former Nike executive Sonny Vaccaro, while Affleck as Nike co-founder Phil Knight. Now, Green is uh, playing... Katrina Sains, the diligent secretary to Damon's Vaccaro. So there you go. Yeah, very exciting. That one's lining up some cast, too. It is. Eddie Murphy is set to star and produce in Candy Cane Lane, (laughs) a new holiday comedy for Prime Video. Uh, Reginald Hoedlin will direct this film, produced by Amazon Studios, Imagine Entertainment, and Eddie Murphy Productions. Uh, From a spec script written by Kelly Younger and inspired by Younger's childhood holiday experience, the new project is the first film in Murphy's first look deal with Amazon Studios, which the parties formalized in 2021 following the successful launch of Coming to America on the streamer. So it only makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. I, Eddie Murphy in a Christmas movie. Yeah. I, I'm all in for that. I think it's going to exactly. be fucking hysterical. Guys, if you're waiting and wondering why, where, we've talked about animation, but nothing live action yet. 8 p.m. Eastern time, so yes. 5 o'clock. That's when Marvel is debuting all the live-action stuff. Apparently, we're going to get the first trailer for Black Panther. We're going to see the second full-length trailer for She-Hulk. We're going to get a look at Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. All kinds of huge stuff coming, guys, but we will be off <laughs> live by that point. But don't worry. We'll fill you in everything. We'll go and tell you. Watch our feeds. Look for it. Um, and we'll keep up live as we're going through this right now. Uh, Apple. 
Apple Original Films continues to expand on its diverse film slate as it's landed the rights to Causeway, a new film starring and produced by Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence and directed by Lila Neumbauer. Now, Causeway is an intimate portrait of a soldier struggling to adjust to her life after returning home to New Orleans. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, cool, is set to co-star alongside Lawrence. The film will make its global debut in theaters and on Apple TV Plus later this year. Causeway got refers to a bridge it's a causeway bridge that goes over uh the lake uh in new orleans so if you guys aren't familiar with why the fuck is it called causeway right now you know <laughs> now you know but i love it though all these new orleans like based hell films. yeah uh christina Hendricks is to play miss saint george in a series adaptation of edith wharton's unfinished final novel the buccaneers the Mad Men star joins the buccaneers christine forseth asia bow josie toe Audrey Bragg, <laughs> Arming Waterhouse, and Mia Thrippleton in the Apple TV Plus drama series. Hendrix, Miss uh, St. George, is the mother of Buccaneer Nan and Ginny, played by Forthith and Waterhouse, respectively. As the girl, uh, she is, or was, a, the belle of the ball herself before she even dreamt about having money. Then when oh. her husband struck gold on Wall Street, she found herself wealthy beyond her wildest dreams, but in real danger of being the kind of social climbing outsider that used to bemuse her. Mm. Now, above all else, she wants uh, her daughters to be happy, but soon they'll discover that marriage might not be the key to that happiness Oh, for any of them. So this sounds intense. We're talking about this show every week, and we keep adding people to that list. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell are the latest additions to the cast of Apple and Legendary's upcoming live-action series about Godzilla and the Titans. The father and son duo joined previously announced cast members Anna Sawai, Ren Watabe, Kiersey Clemens, Joe Tippett, and Eliza Lewowski in the show based on Legendary's growing MonsterVerse franchise. It's cool that they're going to be in something together. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, for All Mankind has been renewed for season four at Apple. Production on the new season is scheduled to begin in August. Now, season three of the series debuted on the streamer June 10th. For All Mankind is an alternative history series that explores what would have happened if the global space race had never ended. Oh. The series presents the world where NASA astronaut, engineers, and their families find themselves in the center of an extraordinary event um, seen through the prism of an alternate history timeline, a world in which the USSR beats the U.S. to the moon. I got to be honest with you. I haven't watched this series. I didn't even remember hearing about it, but that description makes me want to watch it. Right. Like, what if Russia had beat us to the moon and yeah. NASA wasn't, though, like the, that's awesome. Well, I mean, Apple puts out some really good content. Yeah, they really do. So I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, seriously. Woo, seriously. Are you are you guys good? Get some water, drink, you know, hydrate. Exactly. Some that was a massive industry news section right there, guys. It Woo. was. It was. But now it is time for the one and only John Gray to come on the show yes. and talk about his new 
book. Super excited about it. Oh my gosh, The Desecrated, y'all. And yeah, it sounds exactly what it sounds like. It deals with death, it deals with ghosts, it deals with all kinds of supernatural stuff. Obviously, the man has got some serious knowledge when it comes to that, right? But that's not all we talk about. We talk a little bit about the Ghost Whisperer. We talk about how he got started in his career. And he gives some valuable, valuable advice for all you guys trying to break into the industry, either on the entertainment film side or in the novel side. J-Lo asked him a great question about the differences between the two. So it's going to be exciting. It is. It is. Well, here he is. John Gray, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you tonight, sir? I'm feeling a little bit crazy. All right. That's what we love. (laughs) Friday night? Yes. Oh, boy, are we excited to talk to you. Okay, I got to say, we finished the book, gave it the full read. Uh, watched a little short film on the website. That yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I've got to tell you. Okay, now here's what here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna do my little elevator pitch. Okay, I'm gonna go. Ghost Whisper meets Knives Out meets Cujo. Huh? That is brilliant. <laughs> Stop the presses. I, that's right. <laughs> oh, man, look, I loved it. The, the whole, you know, whodunit aspect to it and then mixing in the supernatural element to it. It's just, it was, we loved it. We're going to just great, great. get all into that. But what we like to do first is kind of do a little introduction to all the listeners who may not be familiar with who you are um, and just kind of talk about how you got started in the industry and, and things like that. So, was it something that you knew you always wanted to do, write and produce, uh, produce and direct in the film and television industry? Or how did you kind of come about that? You know, I was very lucky. I always knew from a very young age, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I mean, like like 12. Mm. Um, and I used to think I want to be an actor. Okay. I the actors did it all. That's how I experienced, you know, movies and TV. Sure. The actors. I just thought they just got there and did it. And when I started making little movies, um, with the, I had an uncle gave me this old eight millimeter camera. Yes. When I started, <laughs> right? when I started making films like that, I started to realize that there's a consciousness behind the camera mm-hmm. and it's not just the actors. And so, you know, luckily for the world, I gave up on the acting idea. <laughs> you know, just, just focused on, on writing and directing. And, uh, you know, I think I was very lucky also in that I never really knew how hard it would be mm. to do this. I you know, grew up in Brooklyn, um, my father was an iron worker. You know, my mother worked for the city. I had no connection to Hollywood any way, shape, or form. Right. So, um, you know, I just had this kind of naive thought that I'm going to be able to do this. And so, you know, if someone had said to me, well, John, it'll be like 15 years of starving before you get your first job, maybe I, you know, I would have <laughs> done something else. I would have you know, gotten a good Uber truck or something. I don't know. But uh, you know, I always felt like tomorrow's the day. I'm going to make it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just kept working really hard at it and, and uh, you know, eventually was able to find an agent and, and always made movies. It was a like, important thing. I just always found a way to make a movie. Right. Millimeter, 16 millimeter. This is way before digital, of course, um, because I'm over 35, which may come as a shock to you. Uh, Me too. Me too. Sure. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I got excited with 8 millimeter, man. I'm old school. I'm all about film. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, anyway, it, it's it's... There's not enough time on this podcast or any other podcast to talk about how exactly I, I got started. But, um, suffice to say, cut to many years later, I wrote a script um, that I was trying to get an actor to agree to be in. Yeah. And that actor's agent really liked the script and signed me as. Uh, there a you go. And I said, but yes, but I'm really a director. And he said, of course you are. But let's start as a writer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just kind of, it, it just went from there. That's right. 
Oh my god! But that's amazing, though. One, I mean, for all of our listeners, because because we have a whole bunch of listeners on this podcast that are up and comers and trying to get into the industry, and it's always so much valuable advice from from our guests. And it's right off the gate, it's you knew at twelve. And, you know, years and years and years later, that says determination. If it's what you want to do, if it's your passion, you just hang in there and you go for it no matter what, regardless, right? You're starving, but you're going to hang in there. So that's very important for anybody trying to break in to understand it doesn't happen overnight and you're going to have to stick with it and you're going to have to make sure it's what you want to do because it's going to be a struggle, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. And, and there's, you know, a ton of rejection. Oh, sure. Um, you know, so if, if you ever get to a point where you feel like you can't take the rejection or you can't work this hard, it's not for you. Um, That's it. You know, but if you just stick with it and always work hard and always be thinking, how do I, how can I get ahead? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eventually the other people out there start to drop away mm-hmm. and, and it becomes a little thinner. The herd thins and um, you know, the competition gets a little bit thinner and you can, you know, you can break through. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, something that we've been advocating a lot recently on the podcast and talking mostly about is mental health. And this industry is full of, we don't like to say rejection, but kind of selection uh, in a sense to where you might not be right for what people are particularly looking for in that period of time. So how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself going on the track that you might get a million no's and one yes? Well, the first thing is to remember that it only takes one yes. Mm, that's right. You know, like that's just something I always keep in mind. You know? And when I was, I, you know, I've had no said to me many, many, <laughs> many, many times. I continue to. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, whenever as a young person getting started, when someone would say no to me, it mm-hmm. just made me more determined. Mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, I wouldn't feel defeated or want to slink away. I would feel like you're wrong. Yes. And I'm going to prove that to you someday to myself. You know, yep. outside I said, sorry, thanks, you know, goodbye. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I think you have to have kind of an unwavering belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's always hard in our business because I think if you have any kind of artistic bent at all built into that mm-hmm. is you know, feelings of am I a fraud? Am I really talented? You know? So for most of us, you know, it's hard to embrace uh, or, or conjure that confidence you know, because it's not always really there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think if you just kind of think as if and and you know move try to move through the world that way, it's a, you know it's a big help. And the other thing I always tell young people, um, because we talk to we, my wife and I, my wife is Melissa Peltier, is brilliant writer and director in her own right, and a novelist and a documentarian, and we produce short films together. Yes. And um, we uh, you know, we love to go to film festivals and we talk to young people and we do panels and you know. And I always say that, that, you know, you have a movie studio now in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's no excuse not to go out there and make your movie. You know, that's right. Your um, so, and that's really what it, what it comes down to. Is just don't let anything stop you from making your film. Well, and, and you bring up your wife, and that's the other part of it too, right? A strong support system. You've got to have the, those people in your circle that, that are understanding and know, yeah, this is tough, and, and there's going to be some times, but together we're going to get through it, and they're going to support you. <laughs> you know, They're not going to be those ones, oh, you're so crazy, get a real job. You know, I mean, can't tell you how many times we've heard that before, get a real job, yeah, but yeah, you need that support. <laughs> 
but that support circle is crucial as well, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you need that as well to let people know that, hey, I can do this and you believe in me and I, that therefore I believe in me and I can go out there and get it done, right? Right, exactly. I mean, my mother, God bless her, you know, she was, uh, you know, she herself was a daughter of a, of a policeman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very rarely left Brooklyn um, her whole life, really. Uh, you know, just a big hearted person full of love, but she didn't really understand anything about the film business, mm-hmm. what it means that you want to make a film, a producer, director, what is that? Right. But she always made me feel like if I want to do it, I could do it. Mm. And, you know, she once for Christmas gave me a, a Super 8 camera, yeah. <laughs> which you know, was head and shoulders over an 8 million. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. And, you know, she bought it on time. She had to pay it off in installments, you know. Yeah. But it's that kind of belief that that can just you know blow your mind. Oh yeah, and, and it's really important. Well, kudos, mom. That very good. That's, oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, seriously. Well, something that I have definitely been binge watching recently, uh, definitely to get prepared for the interview. But honestly, before he told me that you were coming on the show, it was something that honestly just kind of fell into my life. Uh, I had never really watched you know, your show before, Ghost Whisperer, but now <laughs> I'm like super involved, super in love, trying to catch up through all of the seasons. My fiance and I have been binge watching it together. So Great. as that, is that, was that like your baby or how many like carnations did that go through before it saw the light of day? Because for all the upcoming writers and showrunners trying to break into it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of revisions before it actually sees the television screen. It, it, it does. I mean, there is a lot. I mean, Ghost Whisperer was a, a sort of a charmed project in a way. Yeah. But it came out of the relationship that I had with CBS. Mm-hmm. And I had made many, many movies for them. Right. Uh, and, you know, the first movie I got for them was very difficult to get because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was, I was untested as a director. I was right. young. I was, you know, I was still in my 20s. And um, uh, finally, uh, they liked my writing a lot. And I was approached by CBS, and this is way before Ghost Whisperer, mm-hmm. but I was approached by CBS um, with a script that was in trouble. They, they just, you know, they, they want to make the movie, but they just didn't like the script. And they said, would you consider rewriting the script? Because it needs like a total rewrite. Mm-hmm. And I read it and I realized, yeah, I know how to do this. I can do this. But I said, they got to let me direct it or I don't want to do it. And so my agent was able to leverage that and say, he really, you know, he's excited about the script. He knows exactly how to rewrite this and do it, but he's got to direct it. And, you know, it wasn't like immediate yes. It was like, well, I had to think about that. I had to talk it over inside. You know, it took a lot of elbowing and begging, you know. Sure. But they finally said yes. And, and so that's how I began this relationship with CBS. It went on for many, many years and I made quite a few movies for them. And um, there was a great executive there named Bella Bajaria, um, who I dealt with on the movie side. And she called me one day and said, you know, we just met this really fascinating woman who um, can clear your house of ghosts. Mm. Because she sees ghosts um, who haven't crossed over, who are earthbound, stuck here. Right. And she said, you know, I just think there might be a series in this. Do you want to you know, meet her? And I had no interest in doing series. I was very happy in my movie world. I thought a series, you know, it's going to be the same characters all the time, same locations. That sounds boring. <laughs> But I was so interested to meet this woman. And um, I guess uh, uh, James Van Prague, who I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. uh, he had a relationship with CBS and he introduced this woman to the executives there. And so I met with Mary and we both happened to be in LA at the time. And I live in New York. 
And um, we met at the Starbucks and I was, I was looking for some ethereal kind of like, you know, wispy sort of, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> instead, there's this like completely normal, down to earth, salt of the earth, wonderful Midwestern woman with her husband, who's an ex-Marine, oh. you know, buzz cut and tattoos. I mean, yeah. It's not like the, the ghost hunting people you, you're expecting. You know? <laughs> and uh, I sat and talked with her and I just fell in love. She was just so wonderful and warm and completely down to earth about her, what she, she can do. And, you know, her thing was that she can see ghosts who are earthbound and she can convince them to cross over and she can create the light for them to go into and cross over. And so one of the things I asked her was, do you see ghosts all the time? Is this something that just happens? You know, and she said, yes, they're around me all the time. She said, sometimes I try not to let them know I can see them so they don't bother me because otherwise they want something. And, yeah. So I said, well, how about this Starbucks right now? Said, oh, there's three ghosts here right now. Wow. Whoa, and whoa. She's showing me as a guy over here. I think it's probably his mother. She's looking over his shoulder. She doesn't look like she's very happy. And someone else, this might've been his brother. And so that, that scene ended up in the pilot. You know? Yeah. And so I walked away from that meeting just thinking, wow, this could be, you know, I've always loved horror. I love gothic horror. Mm-hmm. I love ghost stories. And I've always loved um, character-driven drama. And so I thought this may be my chance to, to meld all that and, and have some fun. So I said, yeah, let's, I want to do this. And, and so we made a deal to, to write a pilot. And I'd never written a pilot. I thought this would be interesting. They'll never make it, of course. But you know, I'll, I'll write yeah. the pilot, learn something. <laughs> and so you know, I write the pilot. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's, we're going to make the pilot. Oh, OK, great. Well, I've never directed a pilot. This will be fun. So I direct the pilot. And uh, uh, they'll, never, they'll, they'll never make a series out of it. I'll be free after the pilot. Right. <laughs> Network will never pick it up. It's fine. Yeah. And they say, well, we're going to do, let's do 13. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to do this 13 more times. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did the 13. Then they said, let's do nine more. And then for you know, yeah, we're on the air for five years. Yeah, yeah. just and, and was a huge hit. I mean, I felt like there for a long time, it was the show everybody wanted to guest star on. Everybody yeah. wanted to be yeah. on that show. And so many people went through that show. It's unreal. When you, when you look back and you're binging the seasons, you're like, holy crap, they were on it? This was on? That was on? It was like, yeah, it's, it was amazing. Um, so you know, we, had, we had great luck with guest cast. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, not to like blow our own horn, but I think the reason was because we were able to really write really rich, interesting characters mm-hmm. who are dealing with things that everyone recognizes, you know, loss and grief. Oh, sure. And redemption. And so the guest cast, it wasn't just some, you know, surface kind of superficial thing. So a lot of actors were eager to, to come on and, and have a chance to do something to get their teeth into it. Absolutely. Now, did was Jennifer Love Hewitt all you? Were you like, this is who I want? Were you involved in that casting process or did they yes. kind of, yeah? We definitely wanted her from the beginning. Uh, but at first, she was attached to another show mm. uh, that hadn't gotten a green light yet. They were still waiting. Right. So we were, of course, of rooting for failure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, um, uh, uh, and, and then and we did. You know, she, um, and it's funny because we initially conceived the show as someone who's a bit older. Mm-hmm. And we would join them already in their lives. And, you know, but when the idea of Jennifer came up... Um, then we started thinking, well, what if this is somebody who's just starting out in their lives? And yeah. About to get married. And, you know. and so we were very fortunate that, that her other deal fell through and uh, she was able to join our show. 
Yeah, because I mean, can you even imagine Melinda being anybody else at this point? It's like no way. <laughs> she was just unbelievable. The whole cast, by the way, was phenomenal. It, it, it was just well done, and 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 glad it's still around that everybody can watch it. Because, like I said, still people are yeah. finding it every day. Um, yeah. yeah. So obviously, you liked the genre. Obviously, you liked people that could see ghosts and everything. So now let's talk about it because I'm super excited to talk about this. You, let's, you're now you're a novel writer, so now you're jumping into the novel game, right? And you're and you're getting into it. And the desecrated, holy cow! It, it's gripping right from the get go. That opening like sequence that sets it all up. You're just like, whoa, what is going on here? Yeah, and, and then just boom, jumps to modern day, and you and you're right into it. Um, so talk about the inspiration for it because yeah, and I lo- there's little things the whole time I was reading it. It's like oh, her name's Jennifer. That's cute, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and then the ex boyfriend's Jim. Ah, okay, <laughs> that's all little things I was thinking. It's like was that intentional? Was that not intentional? I don't know. But talk about the inspiration for the book. Well, oddly enough, you'll laugh, but I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, I read a story about how Lindsay Lohan. Uh, had gotten another, you know, some sort of, I don't know, it was a DUI, it was some, you know, problem. Mm-hmm. And she was sentenced to community service at the LA County morgue. And I just thought that was crazy. Like, whose idea was that? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know it's like a soup kitchen, you know, okay, you know, uh, a thrift shop, but, you know, a morgue. Right. But it, it was true. And she did 53 days of community service at, at the LA County morgue. And it, it just started me thinking about, what would that be like for the people who work there? And, and you know, how could that be? Um, and so, there, and this, yeah, so for years and years, I've been kind of just always coming back to that idea. And is there any way to do that? And, and then ultimately it made more sense to kind of reverse the, the genders and, and make it about a, a woman who's kind of lost in her life, mm-hmm. working at this more kind of marking time and trying to figure out what her next move is, grieving or the death of her father. And then this kind of, you know, alpha, uh, mega action movie star, Trevor Price, English. Yes. Um, he's the one who gets assigned to, uh, uh, to her, her morgue and, you know, makes for instant conflict and, you know, instant uh, problems. Yes. Yeah. I, I just, I love that. And yeah, so you, 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 you said it like the, the, the grieving of the dad. And so there were so many intricate details in this, you know, not just that she had lost her mom, and she was going through some stuff. She was like, hey, every time I'm getting angry, every time I'm getting upset, some shit's happening. What's going on? You know, am I crazy? And so I, I just thought it was really well written the way, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but the way that the relationship between daughter and dad flipped, you know, it went to where at the end when he's, you know, saying basically the same thing to her that she had said to him, please don't send me, please don't do this. Um, I thought that was brilliantly done. And I, and I love how that plays through the whole, the whole arc of the story all the way. And uh, I just thought that was fantastic. Well, thanks. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone, uh, their relationship with their parents reverberates throughout their lives, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. And, you know, I saw my wife go through it with her dad, where, where the roles came completely reversed. And, you know, he became really dependent on her for, for care. Um, my brother and I had the same thing you know, with our, our mother. Uh, and it's just like the circle of life, I guess, you know, yeah. but uh, um, it's always fun to think about, well, maybe not fun, but interesting to think about how th- that kind of thing resonates throughout your life and, and affects your choices and affects your, 
the lens to which you know you look at your world. Mm, indeed, completely agree. I think it's a good representation of, and I know some people don't believe in it, but karma. You know, some maybe you're doing some shady stuff, like it can come back and bite you in the ass. So you know, right. you gotta make sure to stay on the right track and to you know not get caught up into something that you might accidentally fall into. If that makes sense, you know, be sure to. It's always a good representation of. You are who you hang out with and who you associate yourself with. So as long as you stay on the straight and narrow and try to surround yourself with people who you can learn and grow from, you won't end up in a bad place, either getting haunted or in trouble with the legal uh, law enforcement or anything like that. And I thought it was very, you know, as a younger person and as, you know, I guess, I guess I'm a millennial. I don't – they keep changing the years. Who knows? Um, but I felt like your writing was just very entertaining for me. And I feel like that's saying a lot coming from the younger generation who I feel like gets bored very easily because yeah. of the social media generation. But, I mean, I just felt like I couldn't put this down. So that's kudos to you, man. Your writing is impeccable. And uh, I'm just going to wait for the next one now. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thank you. That, that's high praise. Of and, course. Uh, you know, I like to try to inject humor, you know, mm -hmm. in characters. Yeah, and, and just try definitely. To make everybody as three-dimensional you know, as possible. Right. And, you know. Well, and that theme, the, the theme that Logan brought up, though, about, you know, you are who you're surrounded with. Basically, this whole, and again, I don't want to give so much away because I want people to, like, read the book. But this whole kind of thing that happens, right? It's a, it's a circumstance. Somebody meets somebody, and they are, because of what happened to them, now they're hanging with this person who's doing some stuff. And it's like, hey, can I do this stuff? And I love how it's just all, well, if this person and this person and this person, and then, and then all of a sudden it's steamrolling, and you're caught in it, and you don't know and you just go with it and I like how the fact that throughout the entire novel it's everybody is aware of you know you don't want her falling into it she's the only good person she's the only person that we can't have in here we right. can't do this and and as 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 crazy as the rest of the crew was they were still very protective of that at first uh you, yeah. you know to, to try to make sure she was not involved in it and and which was really good um one of my favorite, though, aspects of the whole story is the relationship between her and, and, and Ulysses in the, in the graveyard. And, and just that, I, I just, and the, the closure there, at, man, the ending was brilliant with both Trevor oh, Ann yeah. and, you, like, I, I totally was like, she's, she'd never buy it, but she will that way. And I just, I loved that. Um, but that relationship, you know, here's this woman who's just like, for what, I got all this stuff going on in her life and she's dealing with all this stuff and she's thinking, yet she's taking the time to buy this guy hot dogs every day and feed this man and take care of him medically because that's who she is, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly who she is. And also, it you know, it kind of calls back to her own frustration and not being able to save her dad. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's really what kind of motivated her uh, initially to, to try to study medicine. Mm -hmm. She wants to help people having lost her mom very young. Um, so, you know, she is kind of a um, you know, very attracted towards helping people. Mm -hmm. and, and Ulysses is, is sort of helpless in some ways. Uh, you know, he's a little bit crazy, but yep. you know, he's still kind of smart. Yes. You know, like the old joke, just because I'm crazy doesn't mean I'm dumb. You know? Right. And for and for Jennifer, just because I'm pretty doesn't mean I'm dumb. And right. she reversed that. She said, hey, what do you think? You, you think I don't deal with that every day? I'm a good looking woman and I get like I'm stupid, like I'm a bimbo. Right. So she yeah. she had that as well. So let's bring and in, though. The fun thing about that 
too, if I may. Is sure, for sure. Trevor embraces the fact yes. that his looks can he can just skate on his looks, and he's never expected to do anything except look good. Right, that's right. Jennifer hates it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So let's bring in the supernatural aspect to it, right? Because you know, like I said, whenever she was getting upset, some stuff was happening, and she can see some spirits, some ghosts, and, and and stuff is going on. So, and it's all stemming from this like amulet that this Egyptian, you know, protection amulet that that. So talk about that a little bit. Where did that come from? Is that is like, did you always know that this was kind of going to be the guiding force through the whole thing? Or did you do some research and go, oh, that might be pretty cool to throw into this? How did that come? Yeah, I was definitely looking for something that could be a kind of a through line mm-hmm. uh, for the story. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, as I say in the movie world, a MacGuffin, you know, something that's that's a thing that's, uh, and and I love the idea of this Egyptian, and I'm not sure how I stumbled on the Anubis, um, just in the, in, the, in the research, you know, I mean, thank God for Google, you know. Right, just, yeah. Stuff just randomly, you just sit there for hours and the stuff comes up. But I, I was really, as soon as I discovered that this Anubis was the guardian of cemeteries mm. uh, and the guardian of the dead, yeah, I was really interested in that idea and, and how that could apply to a morgue. Uh, and if, if this morgue was somehow connected to a cemetery where there was this Egyptian person buried in it. So, it, you know, just kind of built off of that. And you know, Ulysses is the kind of person who would, would embrace any kind of superstition. Or, Absolutely. Right. You know, yes, it's right up his alley. You know? Yeah. Um, so it just seemed to come together like that. And I, and I just love the whole idea of uh, something I don't think we've seen very much before. This, you know, the Anubis is a famous myth- mythological figure, but not one we've seen used in horror that that often. Right, right. I think that's something amazing about the career path that we have all chosen to take. No matter what project you're working on, you can learn something new basically every single day. Uh, we're also a film and television production company, so we got some stuff in the works, and we did a little back check fact-checking on uh, some certain like mythological things when it comes to ravens and things like that. And it's just so cool how you just get to learn all of this different stuff that you didn't know before and to help right. you carry your series forward in that way and how it like ties back to, like you said, the mythological stuff or you know the stuff for the ancient text and all that good stuff. But I think and all it's, the stuff that you just you stumble on exactly, right? and, and you you pull it out five years later. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. I love that. I love that. And with you know us also being on the business side of things, how is the novel world different from the film and television world? How does all of that work? I'm very curious about that. Well, it's definitely a learning curve you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, uh, you know, really, it's the first time I've done it. We have. Uh, Elysian Press is our publisher, mm-hmm. and um, the, the publisher is a woman named Mayor Wilson, who's awesome, and and it's been great to sort of be taken in under their wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot to learn about just the process and how things get sold and you know, how it works. And, right. Um, Amazon does this, but Barnes and Noble does that. And, um, <laughs> it's very interesting. You know, thing that you know you never have to think about in the film you know, or TV world, but I think the more important um, and certainly the more profound difference was just in the writing mm. um you know and it's and it's what i ended up loving about you know writing a novel was that i could be free finally of the constraints mm. of screenwriting where you're mm. constantly worried about the running time mm-hmm. how to be economic and how you know how do you you just 
compress everything. And um, and here in the novel, uh, not that you won't have any wasted anything, but the idea that you could just take a little side trip down an alley over here, right? For the character's background, You're um, right? It's so much fun, and and you can just invent all this funny stuff or or scary stuff, whatever it was. You know, we have our character Urson, you know, who comes from Turkey, You're right? And, and to just invent this entire backstory for him as a grave robber in Turkey uh, was so much fun and something I really couldn't do in the script. Right. Um, just, no one's got time for a movie, two-hour movie, to do that. Exactly. No, and you do it so, brilliantly with all of the characters, though. From I mean, from Urson and Otis and Angel and the detective and like everybody. There's that little excerpt where you go, here's why they are the way they are. And you go greatly into their backstory. And I loved that because, and then somehow interwove them all together, which I really enjoyed too. It's like, okay, you can see these paths crossing now that you know where they're coming from and why they're on this path that they're on now. You can, now you know why they're going to cross, which was brilliantly done. And also like what you, what you had said about, you, you do, Trevor brings it up about, he, he why he likes doing what he does is because he can be somebody else and he's learning new things and different things and he can pretend to be anybody he wants to be for that brief moment in time and not have to be himself. I guess that is one of the cool things about acting, right? You do have to do some research. You do have to learn some stuff. The, the poignancy in that, though, is that Trevor doesn't want to be himself. Exactly. And yes. That's why he wants to be an actor because for X amount of time, I could be somebody else and not have to be me. Yeah. That's why the pandemic really hurt him because he couldn't do that. Well, and we should say that this, you, you referenced the pandemic wholeheartedly throughout uh, Jennifer's father is a victim of the pandemic. And, uh, which again, you know, I, I feel like anybody that had gone through that, you know, has, has dealt with some situation from that. So I, I thought that was a great point too, that that's in the story and that that's being dealt with in the story. I got to ask though, I mean, you know, we have, because you got the little short film on the website and everything. Are we going to potentially see this thing? I mean, I think it's going to be a huge hit uh, in the bookstores, no doubt. So will we could possibly see it somewhere uh, visually? We are definitely planning on it. Um, I'm already working on a script and, uh, you know, we'd love to see it happen. And, um, uh, you know, I guess it'll partly depend how the, how the novel does, I suppose. But sure. Uh, um, you know, it would really be a dream come true, of course, to make that film and, and uh, um uh, well, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Well, yes. I, yeah. Even more reason to have you back on the show one day. <laughs> Open invite anytime you want to come back on the podcast. We talk about the industry. We talk, you know, the top five segment, which, you know, this week is top five pump up songs. So, you know, we like to have fun with it. We like, you know, we have, we had a top five books before. Maybe we'll put yours on our top five now. I mean, come oh, on. For, for sure. For sure. It's up there for me. For sure. <laughs> but listen, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming to get a little crazy with us we really appreciate it this was a lot of fun and just we were really thankful that this book fell in our laps because it was an entertaining read that just got us away from screens for a while and we can't thank you enough for that yeah my pleasure yeah oh loved it and i'm gonna be telling everybody to read it i mean yeah out and about today i was like referencing it everywhere because you know they're like oh who's this week's guest and i was like oh you hold on you got to listen to this story like he's a novelist now and you got to listen to it and i i couldn't stop talking about the book so i think it's gonna do really and i mean there's a there's a age gap here you know the future son-in-law here but there's a there's an age gap here and 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 so the idea that 
the book felt so likable to both of us. That's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be I think it's going to do really really well with a broad audience. So yeah. congratulations. We hope to see more books. Stay on the can I, can I just stay here? Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> That's it. You're the new co-host. I mean, just you'll be yeah. with us all every week. <laughs> um, but seriously, congratulations. Yes. Uh, and we hope to see many more books. We hope to see many more films. Um, and, and just like Logan said, open invite. Anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcome. You just let us know. And, and you're always you're always here. Um, tell everybody where they can find you because you know it is a world of social media these days. So tell everybody yes, where indeed. they can follow you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, J Thomas Gray at G R A Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Instagram um, as uh, it's Bay Ridge without the I B A Y R D G E. Okay. And the website now is uh, JohnGrayOfficial.com. And can they that. order the book from the website, or or uh, how, is there can they Amazon? I'm guessing and and stuff. Yes, I mean we we do a link to Amazon and Barnes and Noble for the website, but they can just go right to either you know you can get a digital or print. From either uh, Barnes and Noble. Fantastic. Beautiful. I love that. Well, listen, thank you so much again. We can't thank you enough, to be honest. (laughs) But take take care and have a great rest of your night. And we'll be talking to you soon. All right. I hope so. Take care. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) All right. Man, oh, man. That, I mean, that's a that's a man full of knowledge right oh, there about all aspects of the entertainment industry. Yeah. And and again, though, like, the determination, you mm-hmm. know, from 12. Yeah. I mean, that's knowing pretty early on. If you're not like, you you know, a child actor and you just know from 12 on this is what you're going to do. Yeah. And you stay through it for all them years into adulthood before you get your first break. That's incredible. It really is. And something that he said literally throughout the interview is fun. He was having fun, yes. taking risks, like just trying different stuff. Never wrote a pilot before, wrote a pilot, never directed a pilot before, directed a pilot, and it just kept on going. Yep. So you got to be willing to learn things, take chances, and have fun. That's what it's all about. That's what this industry is all about. And you can do it from wherever you're at. Yes. That's the other big thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're in Kansas or New York or wherever. If that's your dream, that's your passion, you can do it. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you again, Mr. Gray, for coming on the show. Now it is time for the top five segment. Man, oh man, it's going to be a hard one because it is top five all-time trailers. Now, this doesn't mean that we like the movie, but they did put out some fucking (laughs) badass trailers because I got to say, there's one on here that I was very, very disappointed about, but the trailer looked fucking great. Okay, well, I'm going to just say I liked all five of my You liked all of yours, yeah, but I, yeah. This is a fitting category though and i don't know if jason planned this one or not but you know out of comic-con always comes huge new trailers right like oh shit oh the biggie so it's only fitting that the category is top five all-time favorite trailers right so yeah yeah. so this is perfect exactly exactly honorable mentions though to be honest is uh zach snyder's justice league oh for sure that one was so fucking good and um yeah, I mean, that's the only one that comes to mind at the moment, but there's so many out there that you just hard to do just fine. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, I, have to, I, have, I mean, shit, I don't even know, but yeah. Yeah, many, man, many. But number five for me, it's the one I'm talking about that I was very disappointed in the film, but love the freaking trailer because it gets you excited, especially if you watch the original series. And I'm talking about The Many Saints of Newark. Mm. You know, that's supposed to be the Sopranos prequel film. 
I fucking love the trailer. It gets you so excited. It uses the original uh, theme song. Like, it sets up all of these different things that you wanted to be there. And then you watch the film and you're like, where the fuck was all the cool shit that was in the trailer? Like, I was super disappointed. Did you ever get around to watching that one? No, after you kept hammering it, I was like, I don't want to. I was so pissed, man. And I, <laughs> You like, literally made me not want to watch well, it. Well, with like, having fucking Gandolfini's son himself self play his dad's fucking iconic character how do you not make it an iconic film i don't know but they did it they made it not iconic they made it fucking trash i don't know if it was the victim of covid i don't think it would have still done well in the theaters to be honest about it because i mean word of mouth is word of mouth just look at thor and a couple of others but i mean you know it was a great trailer, though. Loved the trailer. Got me really excited every time I saw it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there it is. <laughs> all right. So my number five, and I know what all of you guys are going to be thinking. It's like, what the fuck? This trailer only came out like two weeks ago. How can this be on the all-time favorite list? But it is. I'm talking about my number five is the trailer that was just released a couple weeks ago, the teaser trailer for Blonde, mm. with starring Anna DeArmas as Marilyn Monroe. That trailer fired me the fuck up i'm just gonna tell you i'm a huge marilyn monroe fan have been my entire life i'm always so into any story that's coming out and about her and her legacy and all this kind of stuff and this is by far the single most like uh, on film version that i've ever seen that has fired me up this much Mm. i think this film is actually gonna finally give us a portrait of marilyn that we've deserved for many 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 years i think this will be the definitive marilyn monroe film i know it's going to be controversial i know it's going to cause lots of problems for people but i'm all in and uh the trailer is just i don't know it's it's mind-boggling to me how we haven't seen this before and i'm glad we're seeing it now um the transformation from norma jean to Marilyn, just a little clip in there where you see her crying because she can't get there. She can't get it. And she knows she needs to bring it. Just that is so powerful. Um, it just had me gripped and I know it's just a teaser. I can't wait to see a fucking full trailer for this thing, but I'm pumped. My number five blonde. Yes. Yes. And all for all you game of Thrones out there, I just saw that this is probably besides the fucking joke that came out (laughs) there in the original series there were only four dragons because they believed that dragons were extinct right Mm. well now apparently there's going to be 17 different dragons so those are going to be a lot that you need to remember who do they belong to like all of these (laughs) different things because dragons are a lot they're basically the pets of these people and they build these like really intimate and strong relationships with the characters. So it'll be very interesting to see who the dragons belong to. Obviously, if you saw the trailer, Matt Smith has a dragon, which I'm very curious about his character, if he's going to be kind of like a douchebag or not. So we'll see how that goes. Are I you, mean, are you going to watch sense. Are you going to watch the this prequel one, even though you didn't watch the original? I feel like it would be okay since... Yeah, you know, it's a prequel. Yeah. And then maybe it sets me up to watch the other I one. really hope so, because it's yeah, so no. fucking good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. Um um, and just like what you said about Blonde, for me, this trailer just came out. We literally only saw it one time in the theater, but it looks so good. And I'm talking about She Said. Now, mm. this is about the 
Harvey Weinstein yes, story. Yes, holy shit. That looked so good, especially, you know, with everything that we're involved in. We're big advocates for, you know, uncovering the truth. And when we started the podcast, basically, when this stuff started coming out. Oh, yeah. So, Every week I mean, we were talking about it. Like, it was... It, this story basically grew as our podcast grew. So it's something that we have always felt that we need to be pay very close attention to because it, the amount of time that this situation has been happening and has been out is the amount of time we've been on. So that's something that, you know, we uh, take consideration about. But yeah, this film, like it's basically about whether or not they should write the article about Harvey Weinstein mm. and about all, uncovering all the different females of the casting couch and the actresses and all this different stuff. And it looks so good. It looks so fucking good. I hope they don't disappoint us, but I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be absolutely insane and it looks very intense. Yeah. And, and obviously... Thankfully, these women did come forward. They yeah. did write the article because, as you guys know, that fucking douchebag's in prison. Yeah. So, you know, because of these brave women. So, and they, and rightfully so, they are brave women to have come forward and done that. They need their story told. So, yeah. it's, it's great that it's going to be a film. I hope they take a page out of Bombshells chat yeah because they did a really good job about you know doing that yeah agreed the trailer was very similar you're right that's a good comparison that's Mm -hmm. a really good comparison my number four david fincher aaron sorkin Nuff said you know it's going to be fucking brilliant but this trailer holy shit this trailer opens up with all these comments friend request be my friend approved oh at this party oh this and you're getting all these glimpses of all these things on social media right and then you get it you see him testifying about how he stole in the Winklevoss twins I'm of course talking about the social network the definitive film about the the creation of Facebook and holy shit that film was so damn good. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. The trailer did make me want to see it. It's like, why the fuck would I even be interested in this? And then the trailer, and it ends on just like this huge thing. You don't get five million friends without making a few enemies. Just that was like, ooh, fuck, that sounds so good. I gotta find out. And it just bounces back and forth about how he basically backstabbed fucking everybody, even his best friends, uh, in doing what he did and all this kind of stuff. And the pure arrogance of him. He, of course, came out uh, and said it's all bullshit but to which his friends said no it's not (laughs) they basically backed it all up but um if you're a fincher fan and a sorkin fan you cannot not watch this andrew garfield fucking jesse eisenberg i mean it's fucking brilliant watch the trailer and if you've never seen the movie trust me you will want to watch the movie after you (laughs) Watch the trailer. It was so good, man. It really was. I mean, just as someone who'd watched it in the past year and a half, uh, yeah. that was the first time. Like it was, it was one of those films that you're like, wow, this is so brilliantly done and so brilliantly written, and you know, cinematography was great, but. There's just no hero in that film. It's it's a very interesting one because you're not really rooting for anybody the no, whole time. You're just kind just, of like learning about everything. And JT even's in there. He's yeah. got a little appearance in there. Exactly. Man. He plays a douchebag, so it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, number three for me goes to It, the reincarnation of the classic Stephen King fucking mm. film, 
it. Uh, I was a huge fan of the television film that came out way back in the day. I watched that like on repeat. Like I even had to fucking uh, get a new DVD because I scratched it up so bad. Um, but I mean, I feel like they did pretty well with the second one, in my opinion. Um, the second two, yeah, I, the sequel two. Um, but. The trailer, you know, just so badass. I thought they cast everybody brilliantly. Those kids are going to go on to have huge careers. Um, but, you know, just the sense of seeing Skarsgård in the makeup mm. and making it his own and not trying to be Tim Curry and all these different things. So I thought they brought like a new modern day edge to this story and that's what i really enjoyed about it and like i said one of my favorite horror films of all time so i'm glad they did it right in my opinion i mean the ending is never going to be right it's never going to be like the book so i mean there's always going to be that you know but it was better than the original tv movie i'm not gonna lie oh yeah yeah. and fucking skarsgård he was terrifying he was i mean that that trailer it's chilling when you see when you first see the clown right yeah. it's like holy shit yeah, pennywise man. yeah i've 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 got to see this yeah i mean it, and that's what these trailers are meant to do right they're meant to lure you to to the film and, and man yeah that one definitely does uh so did this next one for me number three independence day when you see an alien ship fucking destroying the white house I'm all in. Right. <laughs> How can you not be? Independence Day in my... This trailer from start to finish, this is how I've always envisioned an alien invasion would go down. Yeah. Right? Not E.T., not Close Encounters of the Third Kind, not where they come and just kind of sit there. No, they're coming to fucking take our planet. That's what I've always thought if they're out there. And we're going to defend it like we fucking do. And this trailer hit on that in every aspect with brilliantly without giving away anything which is another thing right the trailer is supposed to lure you without giving it away so many times we see trailers and all the best footage is in the trailer and then the movie sucks right so these trailers for for me anyway are all they were brilliantly able to go holy shit i've got to see this movie without blowing the movie um and Independence Day did that brilliantly. You're like, what the fuck? I need to know why the White House got blown the fuck up. What is going on? So, uh, and you know, Will Smith, and obviously when you watch the movie, the single, maybe one of the single greatest speeches in film history is when the president is saying, Independence Day, we're going to fucking defend the planet. Yeah. It's badass. And, and it's just, yeah. My number three, Independence Day. For sure, man. For sure. Number two for me is like the classic comeback story, I guess you could say, because after Infinity War, nobody knew it was going to happen. Superhero movies always ended with the hero on top and winning, but Infinity War, man, we we lost. Mm. We we fucking lost. Mm-hmm. And the the end game trailers, man, I thought they were absolutely perfect. That's like where I personally started like completely investigating each trailer and be like, <laughs> oh, you, you saw Scott in the fucking like, you know, when they're going through uh, the Avengers that are still there, yep. the Avengers that are missing and like whatever it takes. That's the fucking greatest tagline in my opinion. And I mean, it just an amazing fucking trailer. All of them, all the trailers that they put out, I think they put out like three or in like two teasers or something like that. But and then the film like followed up. It was one of the most like surreal experiences that I had ever had in a movie theater. So that's why I have to put it on my list. So number two for me is Endgame. Definitely one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. 
And fuck all you filmmakers who don't think so. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, my number two, and I know you guys are going to be like, wait, what? He's so Christopher Reeve. He's so old school. He's so original soups. But I'm just going to tell you, my number two is the very first teaser trailer for Man of Steel. Yes, I said it, for Man of Steel. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that trailer fucking brought back so many emotions and all the raw, pure enjoyment that my eight-year-old self had with the original Superman. Oh my gosh, a man can fly and the hope and the, and the, and the what a superhero is meant to be and why he's here and all that goodness. And the thing that always lured me to this movie and that this trailer, in my opinion, did brilliantly, and this is what really sparked the emotions for me, is... The glimpses that you see of young Clark wearing the towel as the cape, the red cape. You know, here's this kid and he's got his things and he's running through with the laundry and, and he's got his cape on. And he and, and he's just the briefest glimpse of what this man becomes. But I had that towel around my neck. I was that kid with the towel being what I thought could be, you know, the hero could be and and save the world type thing. And it brought back and just flooded me with so many childhood memories of me being that little kid and and doing those things and then bringing back those memories of the original 78 Superman. And and so it, it was just, it was very moving to me and I got very pumped to see this movie. And then they brilliantly, with the whole time they're teasing you, you know, and you see the kid and you see little glimpses. And then at the end, you finally, you see him just briefly flying up into space. It was badass. It got me super excited. It made me want to see Superman again. And uh, I, I loved it. And I am a fan of Man of Steel. I thoroughly enjoyed that film. I wish they would have never done Justice League or Batman vs. Superman. I wish they would have finished making more sequels and then built to that because I wanted to see more of Man of Steel leading up to Justice League. And I thought Zack Snyder did a brilliant job with the film and that teaser trailer was fucking epic. Agreed. I mean, it was a really good <laughs> film. I loved it. Um, number one for me is kind of like what you were just describing with, you know, fucking you being a kid and basically that feeling and that reimagining coming back to life that's how i felt with my number one star wars the force awakens greatly disappointed after the first two but you know i actually like rise of skywalker but you know that middle one's just mid but um yeah man i mean just to have the the franchise back i mean it had been like at least a decade since the prequel films and just where where it was gonna go after return of the jedi and bringing back the original Mm. trio and then you know the tragic passing of carrie fisher it just i think they did such a beautiful job in the first one in my opinion yeah the first one the force awakened is by far the most like reluctant and reliable film if you're coming from a star wars fandom perspective i mean they tried to you know put all of that content out there and all of the things that the fans wanted to see after return of the jedi so i just yeah that one like in fucking going to see it on christmas day and you see the fucking opening credits starting to roll i'm like holy shit 
it's back. Star Wars is back. A gla- galaxy far, far away. And now, like, we're living in such an amazing time for Star Wars. You're getting all these epic, like, limited series and hopefully sequel series for Obi-Wan and The Mandalorian. You don't even have to be a fucking Jedi. But I'm just so excited to go beyond the Skywalker family because there's so many other epic fucking jedis out there that we can get into like i really want a solo mace windu film yes like samuel jackson like yes. bringing back like i just i want it so bad but i mean it's such an amazing franchise and in my opinion it is top tier sci-fi film like just epic so that's why number one for me is star wars i love the it. force awakens i absolutely love it uh okay more stuff coming out guys after picard apparently the cast and crew of star trek lower decks took the stage and we know when now because remember it was an epic cliffhanger of season two for lower decks what the fuck was going to happen well we'll find out soon because apparently we've got a release date now star trek lower decks it was announced at comic-con will premiere thursday august 25th and they say that they will indeed in hilarious ways that you could never imagine uh, have a resolution for season two's epic cliffhanger finale Mm. so that's kind of cool um and yeah, they've released character posters as well. <laughs> Not quite as dramatic as Picard, but pretty funny. Pretty uh, freaking funny. <laughs> they look pretty good. So they're on the stage right now, guys. Most of the cast is there, and uh, they, they look like they're having a good time. But uh, yeah, so there you go. That's the latest out of there. Star Trek Lower Decks, Thursday, August 25th. All right, jump into my number one trailer of all time. Wow, this one. That's all I can say. Guys, listen, I'm a huge comic book geek. I've been a comic book geek my whole life. And I had all but thought maybe the era of comic book films was over. I mean, the last couple Superman films with three and four hadn't seen a really good anything since Batman 89 or 92, I guess, Batman Returns. And everything in between and after that was just like, what are we doing what are we doing everything's done and then then 2001 comes (laughs) sam raimi comes and this trailer hits i'm of course talking about the first the original trailer for the original spider-man toby Mm -hmm. mcguire spider-man yeah holy shit I lit up. I'm like, comic book movies are back. We're finally here. We're finally going to see some shit. This trailer opens on a bank robbery, and you don't know what the fuck's going on. You're thinking, what am I watching? What's, you know, and, and, it's so dramatic and all this kind of things. And you're like, wait a minute, they're showing this bank robbery, and then they get away, and, uh, and then, whoop. You see the you see the web. You see the helicopter being drugged. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, they're all freaking out. And then the most one of the most iconic shots, I think, in trailer or movie history. And unfortunately, guys and gals, had to be cut not only from the trailer, but from the film. Because if you guys aren't familiar, this trailer released just a couple of weeks before 9-11. Um, and in this trailer, in the original trailer. Spider-Man had captured this getaway helicopter in a giant web that was stuck in between the World Trade Centers. Like the web had it 
pinned in between the world. It's the most iconic shot fucking ever. And then, but unfortunately, obviously, for obvious reasons, it brought back way too many. So they eliminated it from the film and from the trailer. But you can find it. You can still see it if you want to kind of check out and see the trailer with that shot originally in it. But then after you see that shot, you get the first glimpse of Spider-Man with the costume and you see the eye and the reflection and you see the webs and you just, and then he's swinging through the city and you're like, holy fuck, finally, we're going to get a real fucking Spider-Man film and a real superhero film that we hadn't seen in forever. And it just like lit me up thinking, yeah, the age of comic book movies is back. And then obviously ever since, boom. And if you guys aren't familiar, we've talked about it. That trailer was so goddamn epic and the film was so epic, became the first film ever to open with more than a hundred million dollars at the box office. Yes. An opening weekend of over a hundred million. The original Spider-Man was the first film to ever do that, and nobody's ever looked back since. Mm-mm. Now it's the benchmark. If you don't open with over a hundred million, you're failing. Exactly. So um so there you go. My number one trailer of all time, the the original Toby Maguire Spider-Man trailer. Holy shit. I love that though. I love that. I mean such a good time in life. Oh, <laughs> to yeah, be dude. honest. Yeah, you knew it was just it's back. Exactly. <laughs> but guys, we want to know your favorite trailers. Be sure to comment below in the comment section or add us on Twitter at JLoFantastic or at CrazyAntGuy1970 or, you know, just reach out. We, we want to know. We love the fan interaction. It's always so oh, good. Oh, for sure. Now time to go over to the box office recap. Thor Love and Thunder, like we said, came in at number one with $46 million. Minions Rise of Gru came in at number two with $26 million. Uh, number three was Where the Crawdads Sing with $17 million. Top Gun Maverick still holding strong in that top five is um, at number four for fourteen million, and number five was Elvis with seven point six. Yeah, and new movies that are coming out this week: Nope, which you can go see the fucking Oppenheimer trailer yes. if you go see Nope. Um, How to Please a Woman, the My Old School, Alone Together, and DC Super Pets is coming out next week. So be sure to check all of those out. Heck yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, movies you can still go see, Paul's of Fury, The Legend of Hank, no one's seeing that. Pro- uh, probably not probably for not. long. Yeah. yeah, see it this week. <laughs> that's it, man, that's it. Uh, the Black Phone, Jurassic World Dominion, um, <laughs> Mrs. Harris, Goes to Paris, and Lightyear. But that one's about to be on Disney+. Plus. For sure. Uh, now heading over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Of course, the movie is still Thor Love and Thunder. A lot of people are talking about it. Um, TV show is still Stranger Things. A lot of people still watching it, trying to catch up like this guy over here. Yeah, but I'm getting there. I'm getting He's there. getting there. He's getting there. Um, and the top trending star is Joseph Quinn. Mm. So, you know, it just makes, makes sense. sense. Just makes sense. Well, guys, we got to thank our guest one more time for coming on the show. The one and only John Gray. Be yes. sure to check out his book uh he said amazon right oh uh, yeah and barnes and noble amazon and you and just go, if you go to john he's got links to buy it right there with those or you just go to the store and buy them just go to the store and buy it <laughs> and uh if you watch the youtube video or listen to the interview on the podcast you heard his uh social media handles be sure to follow him everywhere yes and of course be sure to follow us everywhere the company is at crazy ant media everywhere the podcast is at itcaf podcast everywhere and myself i'm at jlo fantastic and i'm at crazy ant guy 1970 that's right and be sure to subscribe to 
the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for getting crazy with us on this live stream. Be sure to hit that like button on the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest yes. and greatest notifications coming out of Hollywood. Be sure to leave a comment, too. Tell us what you think about the show. But, you know, you got to visit our website, www.crazyamedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Media gear. we got shirts. we got hats. We also have a film because we yes. are a film and television production company. <laughs> Deadlines is now available on Vimeo. So be yes. sure to head over there and rent it so you can start getting a little crazy and just starting a conversation. That's what it's all about. Man. Absolutely. But uh, as we keep going, stuff keeps dropping. So we're talking about either going live on social media tomorrow or, you know, posting another video. So be sure to stay tuned. Follow us, like I said, everywhere so you can stay up to date with what we are going to be talking about coming out of San Diego Comic-Con yes. 2020. Yes, we've got all the big Marvel stuff. You know we're going to have some comments if they show anything with Namor. Right. I mean, the the rumor is the Wakanda trailer, and you've got to show Namor. Will we see Riri? I don't even know, but the, will the CGI be better in the She-Hulk trailer this time around? Hope so. <laughs> so you know we'll probably go live. We'll have some comments. You know we've got stuff to say. For sure. <laughs> Always have stuff to say. It was an amazing show. Thank you for getting crazy with us on it. 203. Yes. Love it. Love it. And we love the one, the only, Oprah!